Tune in to the Neil Prendeville Show weekdays from 9 a.m. on Cork's Red FM. The moment is um, whether or not we can keep the lights on across the winter. Like the mail this morning leads with that. Can we keep the lights on? Ireland facing potential power blackouts for the next five winters. Uh, soaring demand. If you're asking the questions, why? Soaring demand. Um, failing infrastructure. Rising prices, putting the grid under unprecedented strain. So, if your own, if you've got your own solar panel, little panels, or your own choppity chop, uh, little uh, windmills in the back garden, powering your own power, you're one of the lucky ones. Michal Martin says in the Echo today uh, that um, he can allay the public's fears over possible power outages this winter, saying that everything will be done to prevent it. But Paddy O'Brien, who's an advocate for the elderly, talks in the Echo today, saying that older people living at home, <coughs> particularly those living alone or housebound will not be able to exist if they don't have electricity and they're scared by the talk of power outages across the winter. Speaking of uh, the elderly and the not-so-elderly, because, of course, God knows, you know, we're living longer these days, but what will happen with the state pension when it comes to the budget? And the Independent this morning on its front page says that Fine Gael, the party, are pushing for a tenor on the state pension in next month's budget. So let's see if they'll get their way. Mind you, there is a, a TD up the country, Paul Kyo, says paying any kind of a pandemic bonus to anybody at all would be totally and utterly crazy. And that's the story from the examiner today. Down in West Cork, there's a very traumatic and frightening court report of a man in Skibbereen who had just come home from hospital, who was broken into and terrorized by a woman and a man. They forced their way into his home in the early hours of the morning. I believe I read somewhere in the paper this morning that it was something like four o'clock in the morning. I'm open to correction on that. Um, but uh, they, they subjected him to repeated acts of violence and threats. They threw flammable material. Don't know what that is. Was it petrol or, you know, lighter fuel? I haven't a clue what it was. But they lit it. Yeah, it was four in the morning last uh, January 2020. Uh, one of them, a fellow called Paul Teal from Barntree, got five years. And the other was a woman called Nicola Robinson from Skibbereen, she got five years. Um, he got five with two suspended. She got five with one suspended. Apparently, the two of them said they were looking for a man who wasn't present in the house on the night. You heard um, that that misfortunate elderly man now will live with the trauma of that probably forever. Uh, you heard in the news at nine o'clock with regards to, to Besborough, new plans now for um, uh, the former mother and baby home site. Much of that site, huge area of the site is owned by a developer, of course, and the developers want to build there and everybody wants housing to be built but sympathetically I suppose but at the same time there are two different um, proposals in now two different uh, planning applications under the strategic pro- uh, pro- housing development fast track program uh, I may well come back to that later on this morning because it's two different uh, building projects um, there is the story in the sun today where they call a guy a dope and they call him a dope apparently he tried to carjack a woman uh, at knife point it's a story actually from the courts uh, where this guy got four years jail, a fellow called Martin Ring, before the Circuit Criminal Court in Cork yesterday. It's a story from, from Blackpool actually where um, uh, apparently he um, attempted to hijack a Toyota Yaris in June. Um, uh, he apologised to the girl in court yesterday but he approached the woman while she was sitting in her car near Blackpool armed with a knife just before midnight, shouting her to get the F out, get the F out, which she did. And uh, and she ran away to a nearby pizza shop. But apparently he couldn't start the car because it was an electric car. 
So that's why he's referred to as an idiot and a dope in the sun today. Papers also this morning talk about things, you know, it's fine watching sport on TV, but did you ever look at the amount of advertising for, say, gambling or for alcohol? This is bizarre, but the Independent this morning says that references to alcohol appeared on screen every 15 seconds during one of Ireland's Six Nation games in the Aviva uh, last year. They found 1,444 references to alcohol across two Irish rugby matches, 690 during the Scottish match and 754 during the Welsh match. I mean, that's a lot of advertising, whether it's on television, whether it's on hoardings or whatever. It's big amounts. Uh, Katie Price um, uh, has gone into uh, rehab. Best thing for her. Um, she faces prison now while because she she drove while banned from driving and flipped her Range Rover three times. She's lucky to be alive, actually. Um, and uh, she said and admitted to the, the police. It was like six o'clock in the morning when she crashed. She admitted that I took drugs. I shouldn't be driving. I admit it all. So she's going to get help. And she needs it really, you know, sort her life out once and for all. Uh, incidentally, talking about uh, people's lives, more and more people now are becoming victims to crank calls, annoying calls, pests and fraud. It's 40% up in the last 12 months, particularly with regards to online scams. And there isn't a week goes by that I don't get calls or indeed uh, emails, sometimes up to half a dozen or more. And I have more this morning of people who've been, um, you know, either scammed or attempted scams. I think people are getting smarter in that regard. Uh, papers also talk today of Jerry the Munch, Monk Hutch because he's back. He was brought back in a military aircraft uh, last night and uh, will be charged. Was last night actually charged with the murder of David Byrne. Do you remember the shooting at the Regency Hotel? So the headlines on that is back in his hutch and hutch down. Uh, came in at 8.15 and was charged straight away. Um, uh, everybody is talking about uh, 007 and we'll have some more tickets to give away this morning to go and see the new movie No Time to Die. But who's going to be the next Bond? Because Daniel Craig says that's his last and, and really he means it this time. So there are a couple of Irish actors in the offing. Paul Doc star Aidan Turner is one. He's most likely to succeed Daniel Craig. Uh, odds of 12 to 1. And then you have Michael Fassbender just outside him has uh, been chalked in at 14 to 1 for the next Bond. So a couple of interesting ones uh, with regards to who will be the next Bond. And another guy who would have made a great Bond, I think, is, is George Clooney. He never did. But he does make the papers today. Because for men with shades of grey, we needn't worry, lads. We look distinguished. Uh, as soon as a man's hair starts turning grey, he takes on a more distinguished look. But I think you want salt and pepper, is it? As opposed to just total grey, like, say, for instance, my hair. That's more kind of white than grey, I think. But apparently, it's not the same for women, by all accounts. Latest survey making the star today. And also, if you're interested in making a few bob, uh, no winner of the Lotto, Lotto jackpot, 19 million jackpot. So on it goes uh, to the weekend. And uh, good news for those of you that love the toy show. Uh, Ryan Tuberty has announced that it will happen. And in fact, there's a clock on the toy show, if you like. It's eight weeks away. I mean, when you say it like that, it's kind of scary, isn't it? The toy show in eight weeks' time. Uh, and you heard in the news also that the Independence Fe- Festival is due to return to Mitchellstown. But here on Lisa, it's a lovely article in this morning's or this week's Cork Independent. And if, <clears throat> if I could just mention some of the companies that won the Great Taste Awards in the UK. There were 22 winners from Cork. I mean, it's just incredible the amount of uh, prizes that Cork food and drinks companies have scooped. 22 of them. Kinsale Mead 
got a gold star. Stonewell Cider from Kinsale got a gold star. Irish Cheeses did really well. Doris Oag. Irish Yogurt from West Cork got a star. Hanley's Pudding took a star. Healy's Honey did. Wildberry Bakery bagged two stars. Rebel Chili bagged two stars for their Korean barbecue sauce. They love it, apparently. And Serendipity Smokehouse for their hot smoked salmon. That's just a cross-section. You can read the whole list and, indeed, all of the awards in the Cork Independent this week. But can I just say that Stonewell Cider sent me a hamper of cider some weeks back that I never got to give away. It it just kind of got away from me. And my apologies to them. I still have it. So I have a hamper. There's also honey in it, and and possibly it might be Healy's honey. I'm not sure. But I have a whole hamper of uh, Stonewell cider and other little West Cork goodies. Uh, I'm going to give it away on my Instagram page, and I'll probably do it over the weekend. So if you're not following me on Instagram, perhaps you might... Might like to get a chance to win the Stonewell Cider Hamper. So good luck to you. But well done to all concerned. Great for Cork to be scooping awards. But this one actually is a, an ad on radio. Apparently, you know, people can, you can complain to the Broadcasting Authority of Ireland if you hear advertising or if you hear anything on radio that you don't like. But there was one particularly interesting one. There was a lot of BAI um, uh, complaints with regards to covid over the past 12 months, and uh, they're listed in the papers today. Um, but one of them that interested me was an advert for a Navin butcher, um, and it was broadcast on LMFM up in County Louth. But in the ad, they referred to St. Patrick's Day as Paddy's Day rather than St. Patrick's Day. It was one of the complaints to the BAI. Um, apparently, it wasn't upheld. That means that the BAI, BAI found that the use of Paddy's Day would not cause serious or widespread offence. Well, and that's fair enough. It may not cause widespread offence, but it does cause offence, at least to me anyway, because I just don't like it particularly. But it's not as bad as the Americans who call it St. Patty's Day. St. Patty's Day. I mean, sometimes they can be cringefully embarrassing. So... Actually, funnily enough, the, the, the lads here were doing, were sharing a video uh, from one of those financial, it might have been Bloomberg or CNBC, where they were doing an interview with the Irish boss of the IDA, one of those business programs in America. And they got completely confused as to why Ireland uses the euro and not the pound. One of the misfortunes, actually, really couldn't tell the difference between Ireland, Scotland and Northern Ireland. And at one stage, one of the anchors, one of the presenters actually said to the boss of the idea in America, he said, but aren't you all part of the same big island? <laughs> I give up. The Neil Prenderville Show. Morning, all lines are open at one You can text 086-8104-106. Now, there is also a story um, making the echo today. Uh, and of course, I mentioned it on the air some days ago, wishing Caroline Bailey a speedy recovery. She is one half of the super cork double act Sparkle and was seriously injured in a car crash last week and I really mean seriously injured and it was her nine-year-old daughter who she regards as being the hero um, because uh, it was a terrifying incident a terrible accident you know flipping the car over and over uh, the story makes the echo today but it also makes the radio and I've got Caroline by phone Caroline good morning Good morning, Neil. How are you? How are you, more to the point? Never mind about me. How are you feeling? Well, like you broke your neck as well as your pelvis in three places. What happened? Yeah, um, the car flipped three times and we landed on the roof. 
I'm Can I just say, incidentally, as well, that you're talking to me, you're still in CUH and your hospital bed. So, yeah, go ahead. Oh, I am. Yeah. I'm here in CUH. Um, yeah, no, do you know what? I'm just so, so grateful that we both made it out of life because it was just horrific. Like, it's everyone's worst nightmare. And it just, I couldn't be more prouder of Ellie because when we were upside down, she, you know, I thought she'd go into a state of panic, but she didn't. And she listened to every single word I had to say because I said, I'm going to have to unstrap your belt now and you're going to fall. And she really listened. And like all the windows were smashed in. My God so, almighty. Um, yeah. So I was like, Ellie, you're going to have to crawl out the window. And she crawled out her window and she was just so, so good. And like she'd have glasses. Her eyesight right, wouldn't be great. And obviously her glasses were whipped off her, so she couldn't even see God love her. And she made it out from just listening to me. And she was so, so good. And she kept her calm. And then I had to unstrap my seatbelt and I fell, but I was stuck. But a man came over and he had to strap, he had to cut me out of my seatbelt. A motorist passed by, is it? Um, no, the man who, who we actually crashed into. Oh yeah, do you, what do you recall of what happened incidentally? I mean, I don't mean to upset you by asking you to share it, so you don't necessarily no, have to. What happened? Um, no, you're fine. So um, I was going down a country road that I don't know, but I was going from from Y to Castlemartyr. And I was like, oh, I think I can go back the back road. So I put on the maps anyway. So I kept on going straight. And as I was going straight, the road was so misleading. And like, I don't recall seeing a stop sign, but the guard said that there was. But um, when I when I went through it, there it was a crossroad, and there was a van came and hit my side of the car and flipped off. But apparently, it's meant to be a very very dangerous road. That it's um, a dangerous it's road if you well, couldn't see the stop sign. That's for sure. You should be yeah, able to see the stop sign. Yeah, it's not well signed. Yeah, it's not well. Um, people have crashed there all the time, and people have died there as well. Oh my god! So. Yeah, it's been horrific. But look, do you know what? Every day I'm just counting my blessings that we are both. So he hits. Um, he he hits you broadsided. Yeah, and that's yeah, why you can. flipped over and over and over and ended up on the yeah. roof. Yeah, yeah, and uh, that's how it happened. Then and then he cut me out of my seatbelt, and my whole right side I couldn't move at all. But whatever, I don't know what it was, adrenaline. I just grabbed myself and pulled myself out through the passenger side window. And when I got out then, there was um, uh, people there straight away. There was like a, a paramedic who lives nearby, came on the scene straight away. His name was Alan and um, his wife Yvonne. They were fantastic. And there was neighbours and everything came and they were so good with Ellie and keeping Ellie calm and myself as well. And I was like, OK, we're alive now. That's the only thing I could think of. I was like, we're alive. Everything is fine. I thought the car was going to blow up, but it didn't, thank- thankfully. But... Um, when I got to hospital, then I was like, "Okay, we're alive, we're okay." And was it? So did Ellie have any? Did Ellie have any injuries? No, she's very she's sore in her body, but I think that's from whiplash and stuff. They only kept her in for one night, um, and they sent her home the next morning. So she was fine, and she went back to school this week. Now she's making her communion this Saturday, um. So and she thankfully she can make her communion, and it's not a different scenario, you know. I know, but um, you won't be there, will you, Miss Fortune? No, no, I'm not going to be there. I'm going to be watching. Um, I know. Oh, sure, I know, and it's such a big occasion in her life and your life as yeah. her mum. But look, at least, but you're alive. At least making, you're yeah, alive. exactly. And at least we we get the chance to make up for this. Oh, for God's sake! Another yeah. time, like you know, because. I didn't think that we were going to be alive. And then when I got to the hospital and all the scans and stuff, I was like, okay, the next thing now is how bad are my injuries? And when they said to me, they thought that I'd have to go to Dublin to get surgery on my pelvis and my neck. 
but thankfully I don't need any surgery. It will heal itself. So I just can't put any weight on my right hand side on my feet for um, eight weeks and I'll be in a neck brace for 12 weeks. But um, when they told me you will be able to fully recover and you will be able to walk again, I just can't believe my luck. Like I I really, really can't. And that Ellie is fine. And, you know, I know the communion is a big, huge thing and I'll obviously be heartbroken here on Saturday, but at least we have live stream, at least we have technology and like we will get to celebrate this again like you know thankfully well if the injury had been lower down there would have been a chance that you may never have walked again you know you and, no. and, 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 and the most important thing is you're, you're both alive Ellie stayed very calm I believe did she? oh she was the best in the world she really really was she kept her cool the whole time and um, she listened because I thought honestly that she'd go into panic and I thought I'd go into panic too but I think it was just adrenaline and when we were upside down I said Ellie are you okay and she was like yeah are you okay I was like oh my god my heart was breaking for her but at least I could hear her and she was fine and she was breathing and you know I was just getting I'd, I'd say it happens in a split second does it I mean it's like as if one minute you're you know fine what? what is it and then bang do you know what? It's you know when you ever, if you ever see a movie and like people crash and they hear this big ring in their ears yeah. It was actually like exactly like that. It was like being in a movie, your ears just pinged and everything is just silent. Um, oh my God, it was crazy. What a nightmare. Are you in pain? Yeah, <laughs> I'm in agony. But you know what? I keep on telling myself at least I can feel my pain. You know, because it could be Jeez, so Jesus, you sound very and- chipper to me for someone who's in agony in fairness to <laughs> No, I am. I can't move. Like I'm flat on my back and I have a neck brace on. Um and I have like little pumpy things on my legs and I have good pain relief as well but I am starting physio I started two days ago so I've been sitting out of the bed for like 10 minutes oh little days. bits yeah tiny stuff your fiance tiny. Jen must have been, must have been absolutely oh. uh, beside herself with worry poor Jen like Jen's actually been through an awful lot like and then to give her this big sprite as well oh my god I feel so bad for Jen but she's just been a trooper she's been running hair there and everywhere she's been absolutely amazing and how are you for visits in the, in the COH now can, can can Ellie get in can can Jen get in things like that no no, no. I'm all alone <laughs> all alone with my phone um, <laughs> but it's fine <laughs> it's grand but they did say alright though that for the communion they will try organise something for Ellie to come up and let me see her in her dress and stuff That'd be nice, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah. So at least that, anyway. So fingers crossed that can all go ahead and we'll get, I'll be able to see her for a few minutes anyway, at least. Yeah, I know. And yeah. you'll be there a while, I'd say, will you? Yeah, I'm going to be here for another while. I'm here 10 days now today um, and I will be here for another day. I think they're going to come back to me and see how I am next Thursday and Friday. And the van driver, he's okay, is he? He must have got an awful yeah. fright. Yeah, he's perfect. Um, he didn't want any assistance from paramedics or anything. He was, he was fine, thankfully. God Almighty, you know, thank yeah. God that you're alive. And as a mother, you know, thank God that your daughter is. I mean, she was just held. She was only in overnight, was she? Yeah, she was in overnight. Uh, she's just been a trooper. I have never been so proud of anything in could all my life. Could you imagine if it was the other way? I mean, I'm not taking from your injuries and your pain, mm-hmm. but could you imagine if it was the other way around and it was Ellie suffered all of those injuries no, and really she's inside couldn't. in the hospital and you're out? No, that's it. Like, and I'm so, uh, that's all I keep thinking about. I'm like, okay, everything is fine. I'm alive. She's alive. She's at home. She's made her communion. And at least I'm here and it's not her. 
you know, and what are they going to do with that crossroads, do you think? I mean, you're saying I, that there have been honestly, many accidents and somebody died there already. When are they going to fix it? I honestly don't know, but apparently this is going on years. Like, so, like, I put up everything on my Instagram. I've shared absolutely everything. And the amount of messages I got back saying how dangerous that crossroad is. Are the, the staff are great, nurses, doctors, oh porters, God. medics. They're absolutely amazing. Hygiene and cleaning staff all looking after you. Absolutely. Like, I don't know how they, they do this job. They're absolutely saints. Like, I just can't thank them enough. Every single person inside here. Like, and then the physios, like, Alan and Derek, they're hilarious. I have a great laugh off them. Like, even though I'm in pain and I can't laugh, but they're just gas people. Like, you know, and... They just keep your spirits up. Like, don't make me laugh. Don't make me laugh. Don't make me laugh. I know. Yeah. And I'm like holding on to the side of the bed. I'm like, please don't make me laugh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, we got to get you out of there and get you gigging again. Oh, hopefully. Yeah, fingers crossed. At least I can. At least I know it will happen eventually. But look, January now again. <laughs> uh, you're the eternal optimist in Ferris. Do you need anything? No, I'm all good. Thanks. Sure. Yes, thank you. All right. Well, if you do, give us a holler. Hot pizza, Chinese, ramen, roosters, gin and tonics, whatever the case may be. You can't make me laugh, remember? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Oh, my God. I set back your recovery. Caroline, listen, um, great to catch up. I'm so delighted that you're safe. Thanks be to God and that Ellie is and that her bravery and calmness kept you calm because if she had gone into a panic... God only knows what further damage you might have done to yourself, you know? Oh, I know, I know. We're just so, so lucky. So like, lucky is really right. Really lucky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's a credit to you. Listen, good luck with the communion on Saturday and uh, I'm sure she'll look a million dollars and she'll get to visit you for a, a few minutes at least. That'll yeah. be nice, won't it? Oh, it'll be amazing. Yeah, hopefully, fingers okay. crossed. Okay, I'm going to see you in this studio, both of you, play another set for me very, very soon. As soon as you can, Okay. Oh, we will. We'll be in. <laughs> All right, girl. Mind yourself, Caroline. Thank Take you. care. Thank you. Cheers. Thank you. The one and only Caroline Bailey and her daughter, Ellie. Something needs to be done with regards to that junction. It's a, a job for the county council and local councillors to pick up the baton on that and get it sorted. Ray, good morning. Hello, Neil. Thanks for holding, pal. Um, this is another car crash, but it's an appeal for an accident in Maryborough. Where, just where about, by the hotel, perhaps, I think, maybe? It was right by the hotel entrance there, Neil. What? Uh, and tell us what happened. Uh, basically, well, I was one of the people in the crash, and I can't really go into it in too much detail, but basically I was coming down uh, the hill there on Maryborough Hill, and uh, basically there's a set of lights there just outside the Maryborough Hill hotel entrance. And basically, as I went through the lights, another car came uh, from my left side and basically crashed into me. Came out of the, um, what? Came out of the hotel, no? He just came out of the lights and it was just, the whole thing just seemed to be moving very fast, but um, it just happened in a fraction of a second now and I was just like, like, it, was, it wasn't, it was, it was a bad crash, like, my, like the car was a write-off and, um, yeah, but basically... What were you driving? Were you driving the, the Peugeot, were you? What, what were you driving? Sorry? Were you driving the Peugeot? I was driving, I was driving a red Peugeot 207. Okay, and a dark blue of Vences hit you. Yes, and now there was, a, there was a witness at the entrance to the hotel. You see, at the hotel, there's a, set, there's a junction with four sets of traffic lights. Okay, okay. And there was a witness coming out of the um, junction to the hotel... So he had a bird's eye view of the incident, and he actually came up to me 
and he spoke to me and he gave me a very valuable piece of information. Um, but I was in such a state of shock that I didn't actually take, uh, think to take the witness's number. Okay, so we're, so you so there was that crash. Um, were guards called? Oh, they were. Yes. Yes. Okay. Um, what what happens when guards are called? Do you give statements or what happens? Uh, you well, you just have to wait. The guards showed up about forty minutes later, and um, you just have to uh, you know hand over your insurance details and that kind of thing. But it it all goes over to the insurance companies after that. They're just there to. Uh, see that everything gets moved on, and, and as to know, whether you need an ambulance or whether maybe they might they might exactly, think they might need to exactly, breathalyze or things yes, like that. Yes, None of that yes. was needed. So you're looking yes. for this witness because um, you didn't take this witness's details. But there I, is I there an, is there an insurance claim against you now? Uh, there is, there's there's a litigation case. And okay. Okay. So it's it'd be very it'd be very valuable if I could get in contact with this witness very valuable for my case um, will I give you the date? Yeah I have it here, I think it was the 12th of June wasn't it? What day of the week was that? It was on a Friday night on the 12th of June last year 2020 and it was at 8pm in the evening Alright, okay and you're looking for the individual who came to you, did the individual give you information or something, or you think they may be able to give you information? He, he did. He he, um, he gave me some information about the lights, and that's a very valuable information. So you need that. You need that witness. I do need that witness, indeed. Yeah, okay. and I, I really regret I didn't ask him for his number at the time. You know, in, in high insight. That's not the first time I've heard of that. That's shock and panic. Other people have done that in the past. You're not alone on it. Well, you'd never know. So we are talking about last year. It's not just June gone. It's June 2020. The 12th of June. It was a Friday night, 8 o'clock at Maryborough Hotel. A witness to the accident that's between a red Peugeot and a dark blue Avensis. Let, let's see what correct. happens. That's correct. That's okay. correct. Okay. Now, okay. another piece of information that if this witness hears it, he'd recognise instantly who he is because he told me he was on his way up to Broaddale um, Estate, which is further up on Marybrough Hill. But that's a very specific in- piece of information. I understand what you're saying. This morning. Yeah, yeah. No, if there was they, a witness they there, they themselves if, instantly. I'm sure. If there's a witness with information, then that would be great for you, and be great for everyone concerned. To be honest, because we want everything to be uh, hunky dory and fair. So let's see if that person is listening. If that person is, um, I'll put him in touch with you. All right. I appreciate that. Thank you very much, Neil. You're welcome. Take care, Ray. Cheers, my man. Back after the break, text 0868-104-106. The Neil Prenderville Show on Twitter at NeilRedFM. All right, busy morning. Paul is standing by first stop. Gary, good morning. Morning, Neil. How are you? Were you on the train? Are you working on the train? I'm working here in in the station and one of my colleagues rang to say that he was bored and he was on the train and he found a greyhound and he rec- it was just after having pups, but we don't know where. So we took the dog off. We have the dog here in the canteen. Um, there's a collar around her, black greyhound, and you could see she's after having pups, but we don't know who owns or where she's after coming from. Where did the train come so from? The train was ready to go to Dublin at um, 7 o'clock in the morning, so I'd say she just wandered in through the station and just got up on top of the train, got into the carriage, and when the lad spotted her... The, pup bo- or the, the greyhound boarded the train? Boarded the train, yeah. But it says here a greyhound pup. How could a pup have pups? So, 
No, it's not a greyhound. The, the dog is just after having pups. Yeah, it's a greyhound who's just had pups. Greyhound. Sorry, just I thought it, pups, no, it, yeah. I, I thought it was a greyhound pup. Um, no. So it's not a case that somebody got on with the with the dog and got off themselves, left it on it, nothing like that. Just wandered nothing on, nothing like that. Just wandered on. Um, we have her here in the canteen, so we're after feeding her and giving her water and stuff. But she's obviously somewhere local, so we're just trying to get the message out to the owner if they want to come down and collect her here. She looked after. Would you say she's well looked after? She's looked after, all right, yeah. She's definitely looked after. Okay, um, and this is the 7 o'clock to Dublin this morning. 7 o'clock this morning, yeah. <laughs> it was just around 5 to 7. Uh, one of the lads was uh, travelling to Limerick, <laughs> and he sat down, and there was uh, the greyhound sitting down. <laughs> <laughs> a, fellow, a fellow passenger inside the carriage. A fellow passenger, yeah. So this is the greyhound. She's very friendly, Neil. There's no bother with her, you know. So <laughs> the lads went out there then and bought. Says to the ground, "Where are you going?" The ground says, "I'm going to a race meeting up the country." <laughs> <laughs> I had no ticket. No ticket. But, uh, <laughs> I'm a fair dodging greyhound. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So what happens if the greyhound isn't claimed? You'll have a new mascot at Kent Station. We have a, we have a new staff member. <laughs> new staff member. <laughs> you haven't given the dog. A, you haven't given her a name yet, no. No, not yet, not yet. All right, okay. If anybody wants to name it, we'll name him. Airplay. Well, look, if anybody has lost a greyhound, <laughs> got on the seven o'clock train to Dublin this morning, claim him at Kent Station. Let me know if somebody does, will you? I will, I will. And if uh, somebody contacts you, we have her here in the canteen anyway. All right, well, they can uh, text, she, they can text can 0868 104 106. So what you, what you feed, what you feed the dog on? One of the lads that don't just got a dog food here in the shop there this morning. <laughs> Do you know and, the uh, Do you know the shop? You know the shop at the railway station. Yeah. Did you ever have one of their sandwiches? Yeah, they're lovely. Actually. Oh my God, Almighty! They're incredible. They're just yeah, incredible. They're very nice. <laughs> Feed the dog one of those. Oh, listen! Before I let you go, <laughs> if I have any news on that, I'll come back to you. Did you see the Echo today? Some great photographs, great black and whites. Have you seen them? No, not yet. Oh, no. my God, man. Get an echo this morning. There's a photograph of the launch of the Great Southern Railway mail train service from 1939, the big old steam engine. There's another one then from 1953 of colleagues of yours back in the 50s cleaning the steam engines. Uh, they're just fantastic photographs. I mean, it's beautiful. Brilliant. Anybody Brilliant. that loves rail. Okay, listen, the craziest things that happen on Leeside. I'll be back to you if I hear anything, all right? All right, Neil. Thanks very much, mate. Cheers. Choo-choo to you. Um, send us on a picture if you've got one, will you, Gary, of the dog? We will. I'll give one to that. Okay, and we'll share it and WhatsApp it and all sorts of stuff. Send it to me by WhatsApp if you can, ASAP. Lines open at one 106 You can text 086-8104-106. Lots of calls, texts and emails. Back after the break. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 1850-104-106. Red FM. About six weeks or so now, there, thereabouts, since we last had uh, somebody on the air talking about a house fire involving a tumble dryer or indeed a house appliance. Um, and here we are again talking about something similar. Craig, good morning. Neil, how are you? Good morning. You lucky boy, I can tell you that. You had the city fire brigade there, you had the ambulances there, and you had neighbours coming to your aid. What happened? Correct. Um, we're very lucky, being honest, Neil. Um, it was. The fire alarms went off, I say about quarter to seven Monday night. I was actually only after coming in from work. Myself, my sister in law was actually at home with my baby niece. She's three years old, Hannah. My sister in law's name is Anne. She was putting Hannah to sleep for um, nursery the next morning. Um, I was upstairs just getting undressed to have a shower and yeah. I heard the fire alarms going off. And I ran down the stairs. I thought my sister in law or someone might have left something in the oven. 
as usual, someone would always do something like that. Like, mm. um, but came down the oven was off. Um, I checked the George Farmer because that was on the counter. Mm. That was off. There was nothing in that. I smelt an awful lot of smoke. I was like, where's it coming from? So I just thought it was someone having a fire or something. But I went back upstairs, opened all the windows because the smoke was getting worse and worse. I came back down because all the alarms started going off. Then the carbon monoxide alarms started going off. I went to find the dryer. I touched the dryer. I said, the dryer's obviously going to be hot because it's a dryer. There was something then when I turned around from the dryer to go back and open the door. I opened the door and a pile of clothes came flying out at me on fire. Um, I stood on them to stop it, but the back of the drum caught up on fire. Um, I rang the crack fire brigade straight away and in literally minutes, there was two units outside the door. Um, I must say massive thanks to Niall, the chief who was on that night. He was outstanding. All the members oh my God. he had with him that night were outstanding. They helped us. What time was that at? What time was that at? That was about, I say... Quarter past seven, quarter to eight. That's I amazing. Think. I tell you why that's amazing. Yeah. Just as, as a by the way, because uh, I was in town that night and actually had to call to Anglesey Street Garda Station about about a about a homeless chap. Um, and I was coming back from Anglesey Street. My car was parked across the road, and all the alarms went off in the fire station. And within ninety seconds, they were all loaded up and gone in the fire engines. They were going to you. Yeah. That's where they were going. Where do you live? Uh, Corrine Estate, I'm just only in the road from yourself. That's where they were going. You, so I, I yeah. saw them loading up and going to you. They went like a bullet, I can tell you. Yeah, yeah. Um, the funny thing about it is I panic on the night because you would, like when it's a thing, and it was actually my first fire dealing with it as well. What did they tell you to do when you rang 999? They, they said, is there anyone in the house? I said, yeah, we're all in the house. They said, how many is in the house? I said, there's just myself, my niece, and my sister-in-law, sister-in-law is upstairs with my niece. They said, get everyone out of the house now, open all the windows, doors, as much as you can. And then the next thing, they said, make sure the power supply box is off in case we're not there in time and it hits the power. Um, but I work on construction, so I kind of knew to turn off the power when I seen the fire already after being on so I turned off the dryer and they went down and turned off the switchboard Was there smoke everywhere at this stage now? Was there smoke Um, were you you battling through smoke at this stage? Yeah yeah Um, the house was getting full of smoke Um, I took my niece out first I ran my niece out the door first then I came back in and took my sister-in-law out I told my sister-in-law move the car as soon as possible just in case the fire brigade needed to pull in or that my sister-in-law done that. My sister-in-law parked the car over on the hill. Um, a few of my neighbours came out to the cause as well. Um, I must say massive thanks to them as well. Uh, especially, you know, on a work night and a school night, they drop everything and come out and help as well and oh make sure we're all all right. But your but, niece, um, Hannah, and Anne, and indeed yourself, you must have been really, really scared. I mean, they must have been very upset. Were, were they very upset? Yeah, be honest, um, it's a family house, you know. I lost my mum um, the 23rd of May in 2017. And um, I lost her. She was abroad. Um, she died. We were hurting you. Um, so it's just, it was a family house. Like, and it was being 
a lot worse. Like, as a few people said to me there now yesterday, and last night, like, if there was no one in the house, we could have came back to crisp, like. It's the family home, and you love it, and you cherish it, yeah. There was a lot, there was, there was a lot of smoke damage, though, I'd say, was there? There was, but, um, it can be fixed, you know, it'll take a few days yeah. for the smoke to get out of the house. Like, I was talking to a few people, like, and they said, like, keep leaving the windows and doors open as much as you can as you're there. Um, the air the place out, I know I can get air um, fan, it blows all, it blows out the house as well. So I'm actually after trying to get in touch with someone to try and get a loan to one of them or something. Well, you never know who might be listening to us right now that might be able to help you with that. But, um, you know, here we are again talking about another tumble dryer fire. Correct, yeah, yeah. Um, and, and, they, and they tell me that some of the reasons for it is that uh, they could be overloaded or they could have lint in the filter or they could be in a place where there's no air circulation around them. Have you thought about any of that? The chief on um, Tuesday that night, Nile, he took it out the back straight away, the, the houses and they examined it. And he said the clothes, what was in it, wasn't overfilling it. Um, he said the water expenser was empty enough. He said, I say it would have been only maybe a few drops what was coming out of the dryer. Yeah, it's condenser. The fluff, um, the fluff um, box was empty as well because I remember I changed it before I went to work the morning before. You sound um, very diligent about everything around the house. What brand was it? Uh, I'm not too sure. No, I... Uh, not to worry. If you don't remember, it doesn't matter. I'm just, I'm just, just curious because... We've had others in the past and there was a few recalls for tumble dryers. Is it old? No, it's not. I tell you what, no, Neil, it's not even a year old. Um, God I got it off um, as well. I just wait. They're supposed to be sending out a technician to have a look at it as well. But um, My like, God almighty, if it had been in the middle of the night. And you... Like he said, like he said, that's not the first call he's no. after getting in the last couple of months or that, you know. You can be sure of it, and you're not the first call that I've had on air with tumble dryer fires. Could you imagine if it happened in the middle of the night and you didn't have a carbon monoxide alarm and you didn't have a smoke alarm? That's it. Like he said, like he said, it could have been a lot worse. He said, you know. Oh my God! It could be. You wouldn't um, be. You know, there's a chance you wouldn't be talking to me now. He said, like he said, like imagine getting a call from someone to say, "Where are you? Your house is." Burn to a crisp, like, but and that too, yeah. Uh, no, you and you know, like you sound you sound relieved in that regard. But can you live in it at the moment? Yeah, we can. We can. Um, he said. Um, Niall said on the night. He said, give it about two to three hours. They blew us out on the night as well. Um, but he said, let's give it another couple of hours, and he said you can move back in. But he said, there's. It's just mostly smoke um, oh in the house at the moment. But he said that'd be there for a few days. Um, but other than that, I suppose the kitchen just needs a bit of a lick of paint because other than that... And it's getting know, rid of the smell of smoke. That'll be a gradual thing. Well, I know that you wanted to thank the fire and the ambulance service and your Corraheen neighbours. That's true, I isn't did it? indeed. Yeah. I did. Yeah. I did. For everything they've done, it is outstanding for how fast they came to the cause as well, you know, and everything they're doing for everyone around the place, you know. Thank God you're safe. Thank God you're you safe know, and well. As I said, like, it could have been a lot worse. It certainly could know, have been a lot God, worse. There was someone looking down upon us, you know. Okay, okay. Well, listen, um, um, if, if, if you need any 
I know you're talking about something, some kind of an industrial blower, is it? Just something just to even, you know, just blow out, just give the house a blowout, you know, um, but as as a few people said and a few people I was talking to yesterday said, just keep the windows and doors open. Yes, I know. I know. That's all you can do. That's all you can do. That's all you can do. You never know, though. Somebody might have a piece of equipment that might suit, and if they do, I'll pass them on to you, Okay. Perfect, me. Perfect, perfect. I'm delighted that everybody is safe and well because it could have been. Everyone is safe. It could have been a serious tragedy if you. Fair play as well that you had the fire alarms working and that you had a smoke alarm and you had the carbon monoxide alarm. All that makes a difference. Wow, big yeah. difference. Yeah, that's uh, as like some people say. Some people get fire alarms just for the fun of it. Oh, they're lifesavers. They really and truly they're are. Lifesavers at the end of the day, and the carbon monoxide alarms are. Life savers as well. Okay, listen, mind yourself, Craig. Stay in touch, and if I have any information or updates, I'll come back to you. Okay, take care, Craig. Thankfully, you're okay, and Hannah's okay, and Anna's okay, and your beautiful home that you cherish, of course, because it was your mum and dad's home before you, it'll be right again soon. Um, you know, you talk about uh, tumble dryer fires and the overloading of a tumble dryer or the lint and the clean cleaning the filter and making sure that it's got air circulation going around it because they generate incredible heat. Um, I mean, I'm hearing more about tumble dryer fires now than ever before. Uh, you know, I'm not hearing the same things about about ovens as much as, say, for instance, I am tumble dryers are. But it's also very important as well. I was reading recently that it's important that you don't run a tumble dryer overnight. You know, it's important that you don't fill it, start it, and go to bed. Um, and God knows many of us, and I used to do that as well, but not anymore since I was told that could be a real problem. Why? Because you're asleep while it's running and anything could happen. Lines are open at one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. Incidentally, Jim is also saying um, it, the house insurance would be uh, uh, of interest to, say, for instance, um, uh, maybe a possible claim. And if his insurance company are informed of this fire, they'll also send out uh, somebody to assess it and work out how it happened. Then of a, an insurance assessor that he might want to use. So thanks for that. Appreciate it, Jim. Back after these. Text the Neil Prenderville Show now. 086-810-4106. Red FM. Fair play to Gary at Kent Station. He sent on a photograph already of the uh, Greyhound uh, dog. Beautiful looking dog. Well cared for. Big dog. Um, somebody was suggesting, actually, that uh, they should check the dog's ears. If there's a mark on them, it means she's registered with the Irish Coursing Club. And they can call a particular number to be able to tell them the last registered owner. So perhaps if the lads want to do that, they may have done it already. It could make a difference. And if they have, we have the 052 number that they need to call to see who the last registered owner was. But a lovely dog, well cared for, big dog, beautiful dog. Big um, big response to my conversation yesterday with Leona Birmingham, who was talking on her behalf and her uh, husband, Glenn, and uh, her little son, Lewis, and her late son, Lee who is sleeping in peace now. Um, and we had that conversation on air yesterday morning and many people were moved by it. Um, here are some more texts. Uh, are you sure, or are we, we even sure, that this kind of carry-on has even stopped at CUH? How about other families who had autopsies? She's a very brave girl to share her story. She certainly is. Someone should be prosecuted for this. Only then will the people making decisions think twice because they're constantly getting away with things. It only It's only getting worse the hospital is getting worse. Other maternity uh, needs to be uh, open. Um, the building, that beautiful song you played this morning, Remember Me, 
Uh, only a man like Christy Hennessy could write, write lyrics like that. God bless Leona and all the other families. Did Christy Hennessy write that song? If you did, thank you for telling me that. God comfort those parents. Um, if the virus wasn't here, what other excuse would they have given? The virus was not the reason why. It was humans. CUH acted under costly legal advice to protect the system at all times, says Mick in Crosshaven. Uh, are the aborted babies sent to the incinerator as well, says John Byrne. I have no problem with the outrage after prime time, but what about aborted babies? Um, I don't have an answer to that, my friend. I just don't. Well done, Neil. Thanks for that uh, conversation with the Regina. Um, okay, thank you, Regina. Just saying, or sorry, Regina saying nice things about my my chat with Leona. What about the people that transport chemical waste? Did they know there was little babies in the bags? I wonder how they feel about that knowledge. Morning, as a mother who had her baby taken by forced adoption, I'm heartbroken listening to this story. God bless Leona and her partner and all of the families involved. I'm in bits. I have to stay anonymous, but I can tell people that I had a baby aborted at the request of a parent in 1979. I never knew what was happening. Just thought it was an examination to verify my pregnancy. I hadn't a clue what was happening. He said afterwards to the parent in question, it was I, I, it was 99% sure that I was pregnant. Well, uh, I was no longer pregnant leaving the hospital, that I know. I never went public with this because no one uh, would believe a doctor in Cork did this. It's a long story, but it destroyed my life. Um, only God knows what's going on in this God-forsaken country. It's never going to change. I'm heartbroken. I wish Leona had has. I wish I wish I had Leona's strength back then. It was 1979. I imagine you were very very young. But 1979 actually isn't all that long ago. I mean, think of the world then and the world now. Uh, while I agree with the outrage, why is there? Where is the outrage for aborted babies? Or does it matter? Because for the most part, the aborted babies are not wanted. Is that what makes a difference? And one or two more. What has happened in CUMH is disgusting and distressing. I feel so sorry for the parents. I hope the midwives won't be blamed for this by the public. I had three babies there and the midwives were amazing. No, it's got nothing to do with midwives. People can blame the government or say Hall Martin knew. Uh, but in this case, I doubt if he knew. Um, one, uh, okay, thank you for that. The people then referencing um, Michal Martin's own family life so I won't deal with that what a remarkable woman to be able to speak so well after what they've been through her babies will be so proud to have a mother like her um, and just uh, two more how did all of this come to light that those tiny little brains of these babies went to that country to get incinerated or what was the reason for it instead of contacting the parents and giving them back to them it's what you should, they should have done I can't understand what the idea was my heart goes out to the families. And the gorgeous little boys in the picture together, says Marie. Well, I went through all of the reasons that were given yesterday as to why uh, the baby's organs were incinerated in Antwerp in, in Belgium. Uh, it was in anticipation of the morgue being really busy with COVID deaths. But of course, that doesn't, that just doesn't make any sense at all. Um, don't give out my own details. I also had the same problems in relation to consent forms when my son was born. Boxes ticked that I had not ticked. I went back and met with them three years ago about this issue. My question is, I would love to know if there are other parents out there that had any issues with consent forms and boxes ticked that they had not actually ticked themselves. It's absolutely heartbreaking listening to Leona on air. That is just so sad. Thank you for those texts. And that's only a sample of them. There's lots more besides. We'll pick it up after 10. I'm Lana O'Connor. Red FM News is first for local, national and international news. And you can stay up to date by tuning into our hourly news bulletins or by clicking on redfm.ie. 
Get it off your chest. Call Neil Prendeville now. 1850-104-106. Red FM. Send day four of our giveaways with Easy Living Interiors. You can uh, check them out online, easyliving-interiors.ie. So 250 euro voucher every day, up to including today. And then tomorrow, a 1,000 euro voucher to give away. So quite simply, you are listening out for this cue to call. You need to identify who's running into the room. What famous t- person's hiding behind the sofa? Suddenly you find yourself in that situation and it's quite a leap. I'm <laughs> not a clue. I'm a clue. Not a clue. Which is what I like, actually. But I'm assuming that if it's challenging for me, it's challenging for you guys as well. That's not necessarily so. So you hear that again sometime between now and midday. Who's hiding behind the sofa? Here it is again. Just one more aged. Suddenly you find yourself in that situation and it's quite a leap. Who is he? Who is he? Who is he? I tell you who this guy is. It's uh, it's James Bond. No time to die. Uh, so the Gate Cinema has uh, the big screen experience of uh, No Time to Die starting tonight. Cork, Mallow, and Middleton, and we have double passes to give away for um, uh, No Time to Die, the new Bond movie. Um, it's quite simple and straightforward. The lines will open um, sometime between now and midday. Uh, Caller ten wins uh, double passes with popcorn and coke. So this is what you're listening for. The name's Bond. James Bond. All right, double passes for the screening. you got to see that kind of movie on a big screen, don't you? You really do. From the big screen to the small screen, um, I'm going to play you that clip, actually, of the Americans thinking that uh, Ireland still use the pound and uh, can't understand why we don't use the euro. And one guy actually thinks that we're still part of the great big island, that we're all stuck on together, Ireland and Scotland. And this is on national financial television in America. Uh, I'll play it again in a few I'll play it for you in a few minutes' time. It's, it's, it's more... Mortifying. You'll be you'll be scarlet for them. But anyway, Tracy, good morning. Good morning, Lee. How are you? You're, you're asking the question: What is the world coming to? Why? Do you know what? No, I have thought song this morning just to pick up one or two bits because I have a daughter that's sixteen in a few weeks' time, and um, I came out the back door of Kenny's and I saw maybe seven, eight hundred people queuing for Michael Guinness. Seven or eight hundred. At least seven or eight hundred people queuing for Guineas. They must have so, bargains in Michael Guineas. What's going on in there? Uh, so basically, now I had seen a video yesterday of um, Michael Guineas in Dublin. And seemingly what it is, is Guineas are after buying the stock clearance from Debenhams, their perfume and their makeup. Right. So all the um, perfumes, uh, makeup and uh, Clinique and Clarence range. Now, when I say all the Clinique and Clarence range, uh, there's some of it like, like you'd have top designer perfumes. A friend of mine was in there on Monday and she said that what they had was still good stuff, but it wouldn't be like your Tom Ford or your uh, Clinique Aromatics or your um, the, 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 the Victor and Ralph and Flower Bomb and stuff like that. It would be like the Michael Kors and the Calvin Klein, like the lower end of the perfumery, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I know. You know I don't know many. Them. I don't know many of those brands, incidentally. But you do. should, if you're buying for your daughter and your wife, do you know what I mean? <laughs> what is it? I know. Actually, I, I did. I did buy perfume recently. Uh, Mademoiselle. Uh, what's your one's name? Lancome. Ch- Chanel is it? Chanel. Yeah. Mademoiselle Chanel is that the one? Yeah. 
the most expensive one, Neil. You've good taste. For fact's sake. No, sorry, your wife has good taste. I know it's at 80 or 90 euros for my daughter. Yeah, it, yeah that's usually a euro mil, so a hundred mil bottle would be a hundred euro. My that God. would be the top end of perfume. Okay. Oh, well, listen, yeah. they deserve it and they're entitled to it. And oh, of course they do. But you know that queue of, you say, up to 700, it goes down Oliver Plunkett Street. Does it disappear yeah. down a lane or does it go down to the Grand yeah, Parade? Well, or what? seemingly, no, seemingly this morning, uh, now this morning when I saw it, uh, do you know El Pacino? Do you know the pizzeria on Cook Street? Yeah, it's gone the other way. So, so okay. the, yeah, no. Seemingly, a man said to me that they were they were up all for Plum Street, and seemingly the staff of one of the men's wear shop couldn't get into work, so <laughs> they had to move the people. So then they started queuing down the street where El Pacino's is. So the uh, queue was passed that onto the mall. All all, all women, is it? Uh, yeah, the, yeah, I will say yeah, ninety nine point nine percent of women. But if your buddy was in there on Monday, was she able to buy the perfume? Yeah, she bought, um, I think, she got 19 bottles of perfume and one or two makeup. What? Why? <laughs> Everyone's going to be smelling beautiful. Because, Neil, the thing was, like, on her receipt, I think it came to €198, Euro, and it said she had a saving of 760 What? <laughs> yeah, there's 70% off everything. Say that again. The, 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 the original bill should have been nearly 800 no, the original bill should have been nearly nine fifty, and she'd seventy percent off, so she paid one hundred and seventy-eight or one hundred and eighty. And how many bottles? How many bottles? She got twenty bottles. What's she going to do with them? TK. No presents. <laughs> Everyone will be smelling beautiful for Christmas. Oh, I mean the da- the sad side of this is that Debenhams is gone, and that the. Uh, the, the staff are out of work but the upside is yeah. well, there's great bargains to be got in Guineas now because of it to be got. yeah there is but you know what then Neil I don't know is it unfair on the type of Brown Thomas and your Sam McCauley's and your small chemists that are trying to make you know a living after the pandemic when I saw the queues it took me back to Dunn's stores the loo rolls and the bread when we had the start of the pandemic ah but it's not it's like that though in fairness you know I think it's lovely you know I mean the stock has to be sold so why not sell it on Leaside and give people well, a bargain they weren't opening they weren't opening till 10 and this was about 10 past 9 and the manager opened and he just said 30 at a time if you've no mask you're not in and then it, it was like something you'd see in the USA for the sale uh, no it was like Friday. we. it was like what we saw when pennies opened during the pandemic, remember? But that's what I was saying with the bread and the loo rolls when you had to go down queuing in Duns. And do you think that, are you asking the question, have they anything else to be doing with their time? Do you know what? No, I I would have said that, but I suppose if there's a bargain to be got, good on you. Do you know what I mean? I think so too. If you have something worth 100 euro and you're only going to be paying 28, I mean, (laughs) I'd be the first to hold up my hand and say, yeah, but I don't think I'd queue for it. Well, you would if you were able to get 20 200. Yeah, and and your a lot of your Christmas present problems are solved. Yeah, that's true. I guess. Okay. <laughs> I think I just <laughs> you think... know what I should have queued and got a few bottles for my sixteen-year-old, but it didn't even enter my head. It's that... only entered my head now speaking to you. <laughs> that's a big birthday. In fairness, I yeah, I just think yeah. it. I just think it's a great buzz. You know. Yeah, well, I mean, I suppose it was, but, like, there was no social distance. Everyone was on top of everyone, you know, that kind of way. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. What can you do about it? But anyway... So you'll be queuing after work, yeah? Oh, absolutely. Oh, I'll be there. <laughs> I'll be there for my, what is it again? Co- Coco Mademoiselle Chanel, Mademoiselle, I think. Yeah, I don't think that was there now, as I said. But they have Clinique, they have Clarence, they have Urban Decay. But hang on a second. Do they not have any aftershave or cologne? Oh, they do. They have those also. And there doesn't seem to be a whole lot of men in the queue. 
No, there isn't. But see, the the women are buying for the husbands for Christmas. They always I mean? uh, the women will always hunt down the bargains. Yeah, All right. I suppose they're better than socks and PJs. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> True enough. Creates a bit of buzz. Thanks for that, Tracy. A bit of buzz on Lee's side, and that can't be a bad thing. Back after the break. Talk to Neil Printerville now. 1851 Red FM. I just want to acknowledge, incidentally, with regards to the staff of Debenhams, I don't know how they're feeling about the, the stock uh, being being sold off. Um, you know, I imagine that they must, might feel a bit upset about it, and it would be understandable if they did. Oh, and I also see Jason from Carrigan saying, so much for boycotting Debenhams for the way they treated their Irish workers. Aren't people full of principles until they get a bargain, says Jason in Carrick, Navarra. And, and listen, that, that's a well-put text, I have to tell you. Um, I suppose that the, the ex-staff of Debenhams won't be all that impressed. Um, but what are you going to do with the stock otherwise, you know? I mean, it's like, I suppose, what are you going to do with it? Oh, oh listen, um, can I just say, I'm not, I'm, I'm just, I'm mentioning that we have a picket outside Red FM this morning. The reason I'm mentioning it is because I don't want to be accused of censorship by not acknowledging that there is a picket outside the building this morning. Uh, Dermot O'Quayla is, t- is, um, is tweeting this morning, uh, that there's a picket. It started at ten o'clock, um, and it's uh, it's another one of the protests that are are um, being uh, that take place outside media outlets. I know that there was a similar one outside RT on Academy Street there some weeks ago. He's saying there's a picket this morning at, at Red FM, and asking the question: At what price is it okay to swap the truth for propaganda and lies? And he's saying that media outlets who agree to be propaganda outlets for the government or big pharma because the price is right must be called out and he talks about uh, journalism and truth must not be for sale now um, I'm, I'm mentioning it because if I were to ignore it uh, I think that I could be I, w- I should rightly be criticised if I were to ignore it but it's there this morning and it's a democratic right of people uh, to protest and pick it and I personally have absolutely no problem with that in the wide earthly world I mean I'm not going to at this stage defend um, you know what I did on air over the past 18 or, or 19 months I'm not going to talk about balance I'm not going to go into any detail like that um, I'm just going to allow the last 17 or 18 months on air to speak for itself with regards to my own coverage of COVID and the coronavirus and the pandemic and the guidelines and the regulations and the lockdowns uh, and what have you but um, I'm just letting you know that it is happening because I didn't want to ignore it I think that would have been a lot of different things, including rude. Uh, lines are open at one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. You can text 0868104106. Paula, good morning. Good morning. Mate. God knows How we. Sp- go- I'm good, thanks. But God knows we've spoken on a number of occasions in the past, um, and of I course, have numerous times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, because your poor daughter Amanda mm-hmm. uh, died in a yeah. crash. Oh my! It's, not, it's nine years now. Um, I'd say, is it? Nine years on the thirtieth of December, nineteen. Yeah, I know. So, um, what's happening now is that um, the cross where I had... You were listening um, yesterday to, to yeah, Dawn and other callers with graveyards yeah, being, yeah, being desecrated. Right. Couldn't I know Dawn I, yeah, and yeah. I know Frank, yeah. Right. And, um, is it Cove so as well? Sorry, is sorry? It, is it Cove graveyard as well? Yeah, well, no, you see, the cross that that, that, that I had put down for Amanda was, was, was put at the site where she was a killed. Where she was buried yeah. in St. Colin's cemetery, you okay, know? Okay. But the one at the site, that's the one that has disappeared. It's gone. So you put a so cross ha- and a memorial to Amanda at, yeah. at the site yeah. where she passed away. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. What, what happened down, to um, Well over eight years, eight and a half years. Right. Down, okay. Uh, Neil. And um, I ha- I, now I was down there on the 28th of August because it was Amanda's 35th birthday on the 27th of August. So I went down the following day. I stopped at the site where she was killed. I put the flowers there and then I continued on out to the graveyard it was there on the 28th of August then I got a call uh, about two two weeks ago to say that the cross was gone there was nothing there nothing 
Nothing. So what I did then was, I just, I was shocked. I couldn't believe it. So I said, what's, I know you were asking yourself, everything is going through your mind. So I said, what will I do? So the first thing I did was, I phoned the guards in Cove. And I spoke to a lovely guard and I, he said, leave it with me. He said, and I'll ring it back in an hour. Which he did. It was very, very, very nice. Um, he said, look, unfortunately, he said, there's no CCTV, for, you know, there's no cameras down, down at that area. Yeah. So he said, maybe a car mounted up onto the path, uh, maybe somebody knocked at it or something and took it away to, to repair it. Yeah. And it sounded doubtful to me, but look, what could I, what could I do? What could I say? So um, what I did then was on the Monday, I phoned the council because I know like, you know, they, they have to, they go around sometimes with the vans and they collect the various things and they, they, they dump stuff. But I was thinking, no, no, like, I mean, it's there eight and a half years. No one has ever touched it. Yeah. No one has ever touched that, that crucifix, you know? Yeah. Um, so there was, I spoke to again a lovely lady and she rang me back after a while and she said, no, she said, as a matter of fact, I see it all the time. She says, when passing up, down, up for years, you know? Mm. So I said, no, we didn't touch it either. So it's a mystery. It's a mystery, Neil. Um, um, let, so, me, let me, let me yeah. just ask you about the, the cross. Um, it, was it, did it, was it standing in concrete? Um, the first one that I put down just, just after Amanda was killed was, uh, was in concrete. My brother put that down and his son in concrete. Mm-hmm. Um, that was belonged to my father. You know, when he passed away, my mother had it and... We were waiting for my father's headstone to be sorted out, so we put that down for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was, I was after getting a little plaque engraved um, with her name and, you know, she's 1986 to 2012, that type of thing. Mm-hmm. And that kind of, after a while, then that was that war, you know, to splitting it, uh, that, so that, was, that, that had to be um, replaced with the one that went missing. So the second one, that's the one, oh, that's gone. And that you know? cross that's been taken is it wooden mm. is it stone yes the wooden cross yeah wooden and cross. was it just in the ground or it was like in the ground the first one was cemented down the second yes. one was just into the ground but it was, you couldn't move it like it was, it was well into the ground and w- yeah okay and what did it say yeah. on the plaque well there was no plaque on that one because the first one was I taken know. away I know but yeah. I had always I had always uh, planned on getting something solid something in, cron- in concrete but what I did say then was I spoke to the council and I said well I need to get permission just to put something where it can't be moved you know and she said just write in a letter to us she says and we will they are very sympathetic in that regard and and always have been and would you you visit then regularly and lay flowers oh yeah every time I went to the graveyard I always stopped off there first and then continued on up to the graveyard and changed the flowers and what have you yeah changed the flowers tidy it up you know but it's just, then a friend of mine, um, I got in contact, I, I, I know good people in Cove, I contacted a friend of mine and I said, uh, I couldn't believe it, you know. So she said, look, I'll, I'll take a look down. So she went down, because um, she lives near the area, and she sent me on photographs of a hole. And that, I, I don't know. The hole where the cross was? Yeah, nothing. Just Did a hole in the ground. <sighs> You're very upset. I can understand why. It's, it's, yeah. It's um, but I was talking, I was, I was listening to Dawn yesterday about, you know, there was another person came on and she was saying that, you know, or maybe the birds pick up stuff like that. Maybe they do, but there was no birds. There was no birds. I know. This person. wasn't, no, this is no. completely different. No, 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 no. no, no definitely no, not. No, this no. is completely different. And did you check the hedging up. up along that they may have just thrown it into a field or into the side? I did. I checked. There's nothing there, Neil. There's no trace. There's nothing. Nothing. I, I had no idea what happened. 
Oh, oh, oh. Why would somebody do that? You know, why? And I probably won't never won't, but I can understand why people can be so. Whoever is responsible, I don't know, and I probably will never know. But why would anybody um, upset a person's resting place? Either it be um, a cemetery. Um, you know, we heard about what happened in St Catherine's. I saw that myself out there one day. We went out there myself, my mum one day, and all the headstones were destroyed. I know. Oh, I'm sure I, I heard about it. I can't for the life of me fathom why. Why would somebody, somebody do that? Like, was, do was it that, somebody like, walking along the main road would do it? Did somebody pull in in a car and do it? I mean, why? That's, do you know what, Neil? That's the million dollar question. I don't know. I have no idea, but I firmly believe in karma. I really enjoy I know, it. and that's all very well, but you're still devastated nonetheless because it's, an, it's, 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 I mean, it's like an assault. I see nothing there now. After all the years that it was there, never bothered anybody. You know, and it's a horrible feeling when of you just see a blank. Terrible thing. invasion. It is. It yeah. is. For, it's it is. Per, it's I mean, very I, personal. I, I, don't know, I, I can't get my head around it, Neil. It's and very I, even personal. Even if there was cameras, I mean, it's great. You know, no, it's better for, for what's going on in this day and age. Uh, yeah, but a memorial, pa- a memorial cameras, cross so. to mark the place where somebody's beautiful yeah. daughter died tragically. Yeah. But you know what, Neil? Beyond that, words. That is gone. I can't do nothing about it. Only I will replace it. I will. I have every intention now of getting in a plaque and a little conch, something in concrete where a bulldozer will be the only thing that will move it. You, know, you need something, something small like in granite yeah. or maybe in stone more, or something kind of with um, yeah, I'll do, I'll do it now with the concrete sunken base, you know? Yeah, and you know, it is, um, it's, it's, it's kind of niggling me all the time. I Why? Know, that's, that's the question. Why? Why so would there, somebody do that? There, there's, there's no reason why anybody would do that. You know, there's like... Well, it's like, take a very, very sad person very, to come along and tamper with somebody's rest, final resting place and well, they know, need to be either evil or they're unwell, one or the other. Oh, sure. Look, Neil, there's a lot of, there's, a, there's, there's some horrible people out there. That's all I can say. I know, horrible. I know, I know, but horrible. you must, it must, yeah. you must feel dreadful, you know, because it's bad enough it losing a, a daughter feeling. so young. It is, because every time it passed, it was there and, you know, you got comfort from it. Change, and then you'd see the flowers coming up around it, that's what it is. And now, absolutely, on your hole in the ground, you know. It's, just it's terrible. It's heartbreaking, actually. Yeah, it really is. There you go. Yeah. Um, listen, yeah. Uh, what can I tell you? I mean, it's, it's it's probably thrown away somewhere, and God knows if someone oh, comes across it, you never just, know. No, but no. What I'd like to know who's behind that or, or why. I really would look to look to the future for now, and something that's yeah. immovable that can be yeah that can be sunken down properly. I'm, I'm going to get something. Um, I was actually I was actually speaking to my brother, and I was asking would he put on another cross? Me and he said, look, a borough office is getting something solid that I can't. Believe. You are, and but you will have to check with the county council because they're saying now that grieving families must apply to the local authority to get yeah. permission to erect such monuments. That's right. Yeah, um, I was speaking to him already. They just said send in a letter, and and they just said they wouldn't see that. They they, they they want to know about the, the height and the width and things that's all they yeah. want to know you know Yeah. and, and they can't, you can't have lights on them because yeah. the councillor is saying that the lights would distract drivers mm-hmm. but you, you know that anyway you know I know yeah that's what I was thinking you know, you'll be thinking of all sorts but that's my intention now next just something that I can you know when I'm passing there to stop but just absolutely of course something okay. a little plaque like you said yeah yeah, yeah. you know yeah yeah, where her spirit and soul departed, of course. Yeah, okay. All right, Paula, okay. so tragic. Right, such Neil, sad news. Stay in touch, yeah? I will, Neil. Thank you. All the Bye-bye. best. Cheers. Take care. Um, Paula Murphy actually successfully sued a car testing agency after her daughter Amanda Flaherty was killed in a crash on December 29th in 2012 uh, near Fota, I, I believe.
she was in a car that had passed um, had passed a road safety test beforehand. Remember that case very well. Back after the break. This is the Neil Prenderville Show. Tweet the show at Neil Red FM. 104 to 106 Red FM. I was telling you earlier in the week that I was reading Catherine Corliss's book. The book is called Belonging and uh, and I did and I completed it and finished it yesterday. It's an an incredible read. I couldn't um, help but see huge similarities between the Tume Mother and Baby Home story that Catherine Corliss uncovered in, in County Galway with Besbra, the mother and baby home in Besbra, with uh, regards to uh, the conditions that the, the girls were in and the birth of so many babies that we on Lee side at, at Besbra uh, can't account for. We have a number, but we don't know where they're buried. And of course, the same can be said of, um, they have a number in, in Tume as well. Uh, but it's, it's, an, it's, an incredible, it's an incredible read uh, on a, a lot of different levels. Catherine Corliss joins me by phone. Catherine, good morning. Good morning, Neil. It's lovely talking to you. I feel having read the book as if I, I know an awful lot about you. Do you know what I'm saying? That kind of thing. I know, I know indeed. Well, yeah. thank you. Thank you for reading the book. Ah, uh, no, listen, I did see huge similarities between your story out of Tume and indeed our own out of Besber. More on that later. But this is an amazing book because um, I didn't expect the memoir at the, for the first third of it. You know, your, your life, yeah. your, your growing up, your, your yeah. mother, the... the the, the the honest account that you talk with regards to your wonderful husband Aidan and his you know his alcohol addiction that he that he overcame and the trials and yeah. tribulations of you know rearing a family yeah. that was very very emotive I have to say was it difficult sharing that part of your life uh, I don't think it was really because I had a co-writer as you know Naomi Linehan who was who, who very gently uh, teased out my uh, personal story mm. and with no pressure and I, I found it uh, easy with her. But I suppose uh, there's no point in, in, in writing, you know, in, in exposing everybody else, which I have in the book, especially authorities mm. uh, who should have done more for us. But I just felt that, OK, I'm going to expose myself as well, just to just to just to link in with uh, all the survivors that I spoke to over the years, because their stories were heartrending. And while talking to him, I realized that, OK, you know, we share a kind of a, a sort of a similarity with our childhoods. And you know what your your childhood, your your it's, it's incredible. Your mum was an orphan herself. She was uh, illegitimate, actually, mm. uh, and uh, I mean she she died in nineteen ninety two at age eighty, and uh, through through the years. Uh, with the family, absolutely none of us knew anything about her, and even my dad wouldn't have known either. But uh, he was your typical uh, Irish uh, country farmer, you know, and he was a fair bit older than her, and he was the type of man that wouldn't pry into mm. anything. And mm. uh, he he knew absolutely nothing about her past either. And I found this strange growing up because many a time I would absolutely annoy her to the you know like, uh, to the extent of annoying her, asking her about her her, her parents and my my grandparents because uh, I knew all about my father's side. Would she change uh, the subject, is it? Oh my God, she would. She would. She, she would wave her hand at me and say, ah, "They're all dead now. Just, just, just leave it so, you know." But uh, that, of course, made me twice as curious, and uh, yeah, probably yeah. a bit, a bit of a, I was a bit of a thorn in her side, as you know, as as regards that. But uh, from a very young age, uh, I just knew there was something troubling her and bothering her, and just uh, you know, she was so silent about everything, and uh, she found it hard to uh, reach us on an emotional level. 
And I found that kind of different when I'd see other kids in, well, in their houses and their mothers. I know. So and, he, really and, and, and of course, years later then when you went doing your research and detective work, to be honest with you, you could understand yeah. many of the reasons why your mum was like the way she was. But well, like, well, absolutely. Absolutely. Like school, school was of no huge interest to you at the time, but, but local history was, wasn't it? I mean, did you sign up for a course or something when you were little? I, I did. Oh, I did. Just, just when the, when the family were reared and I had a bit of time in my hands and I had, you see, before this history course, I had already started uh, looking for my, my mother's background and all that. And I was gaining some experience in, in finding records, but I just felt I just needed to know an awful lot more about, about research and uh, that history course. Which was uh, which was it was a minute uh, sort of history course, and over a year uh, of night classes, I uh, absolutely found every single way to research and where to go and things I wouldn't have known or thought of. And was it sometime around then that you realised that all didn't make sense at the Chum Mother and Baby Home? It, it beforehand, of course, had been a workhouse. There was, there was you reference the story in the book of of, of Franny and Barry, the ten year old yes. and the twelve year old. Was that the beginning? Yes. Oh, absolutely it was. Well, when I found out that they found um, little uh, children's remains, little skulls, in fact, even the children on the estate were going around with uh, skulls on a stick, you know, Good playing God. with them. And, and, and I just thought, um, my God, it was, you know, at the time, there was nothing done about this. And, of course, then when I found all the deaths, or all the, all the children who had died, um, up to 796 is a famous number, but uh, not a word in tomb about it. Who are these and why aren't they remembered? And well, do you know when how, you went to Births, remember yeah. when you went to births, deaths and marriages um, yeah. and the girl who was very helpful said it could be around 200 but boy was she well, way off the mark. Yeah, well, that's what she that's what she, uh, she came across first, and that was just for the essay in 2012. I just needed a number at that stage, and I went back in 2013 then to find out more and more. And um, over over a period of time, um, that that girl in was very helpful, and Glennon was her name, and she absolutely spent a few weeks in her spare time finding the deaths of children, children who died in the home. That's what I wanted, and uh, that was the staggering number at the time, and. That really got me working and researching more. And on top of that, then, when I announced it locally, that where are all these children, does anyone care? There was a, a complete silence from the church, from the Bunce course, and from the Galway County. And Council. indeed, in the book, I see even people in June weren't, some of them weren't impressed with you at all. Oh, absolutely not, especially as I found out now. I mean, there's a lot of business people in Tume who have, uh, you know, their, their ancestors uh, owned, the, owned the shops that they're in and businesses. It's a kind of a, you know, it's a handed down thing mm. from, from generation to generation. And they, of course, would have ties with the mother and baby home. They would have profited from the home itself. And uh, a lot of, uh, in fact, politicians as well would have connections oh, uh, with the home over the time. So that's why really was the, that's where the, why the silence was there. But uh, ordinary people uh, complimented me and told me to keep going, to, to keep at the research because people in Chum kind of knew something, but they, you know, they knew they just knew something wasn't right. And you spoke with shocked. you spoke with many of um, the people who would have been in the home as children or, or foster. You yeah. to, to the likes of Kevin and Paddy and Elizabeth and Michael That's and PJ. Right. And, That's right. Um, yeah, all know, those. Yes, uh, indeed. There were uh, groups of them. Yes, indeed. And, and, uh, and there uh, was huge uh, similarities yeah. in portions of the book when you speak to them. 
with with Besbra here in Cork, the mother and baby home is the same connection, a workhouse on Leeside, the Magdalene laundries, huge similarities. You'd acknowledge that, I'd say, would you? Oh, absolutely, of course. And uh, I mean to say the difference in Tume is we, we we have actually found the remains, or most of them, we know where they are. But uh, as regards Besper, it's horrific that so, so many babies and children are missing. And really and truly, you know, I mean, I hope somebody gets to the bottom of it because uh, there's no rest, there's no peace, there's no justice for families until until this is uh, just uncovered. Because we don't know where those little babies... And at the back of the book, I know I'm jumping ahead here, but you list yeah. all all of the little babies and I was going through all of their names yeah. and the ages going back to 1925 some as young little baby Fallon four days old little Christopher yeah. Begley 18 days old some six months nine months one year two years three years old yeah, absolutely. And all, all baptized, I may say. They, the register is in Chum to, to check the baptisms. And, How I mean, did they Canon die? Law tells us, yeah, Canon Law tells us that, that uh, every every baptized baby, is, uh, you know, deserves to be buried in consecrated ground. And what's wrong with seven, nine, six little babies and children? Just Is it just because they're illegitimate? I believe was so. Wasn't, but wasn't, yeah. that the, wasn't that the way? Absolutely, it was. They were frowned on and they did baptise them because they, they cared more for their souls than they did for their little bodies. That were, were you suffering. able to identify cause of death? Well, it's given. The, the causes of deaths are given as well on the death certs. You know, they're, they're just the usual. The, the usual, there's blocks. You, you could get about 10 babies dying from mazes, another, another 10 from gastroenteritis. There was pneumonia, bronchitis, ordinary illnesses. But I mean, the Bons, of course, were a nursing congregation. And that's why, that is my big argument. Why didn't they do more for those babies? What was it like when you met them first? Because I know you did have correspondence back and forth and actually had a couple of sit-downs. What was the first sit-down with the Bonds nuns like? Well, um, they, they contacted me, of course, when the story was exposed. But they only want to know, what are you doing? Why are you doing That's this? That's it, yeah. yeah. Oh, well, they did. They met, us, they met a few of us off the committee at the time in, in Galway, and that was their response. It was about themselves and the, the media that were at their door, and they were upsetting the whole the whole congregation. So that was the first uh, emphasis on this whole exposure. Were you nervous meeting them? Uh, of course I was. I mean to say, I, I came from a, a very quiet um, married life, just minding my children, minding my business, you could say, keeping in the background, just quite happy as popping around with the farm and the, the garden. And all of a sudden, I mean, I never was exposed to this kind of media, but uh, something in me just uh, had to keep fighting. Was it more of an interrogation than a chat? I would kind of say that. Um, well, well, well. It went on for about uh, forty minutes, I'd say, and it, it, it was because uh, it was the emphasis was on how upset they were, and I just let them talk, and then I came back with, well, what about all the survivors in the Chum home? They're in an awful state, and they've never had any justice. And, and there's many, the uh, of, uh, yeah, yeah. There's many of those um, case histories that you detail in the book. I mean, this you do the, the we have the memoir part of your life at the start. But then yeah. the story takes off like a rocket. Yeah. It just... Well, that's, that's, that's the way it was, Neil. It, as I said, it, it catapulted, really, when it went to the media. The pace of it was and just... Yeah. Incredible. I was sitting there reading it saying, my God yeah. almighty, like, how did she ever keep up with it? Like, this is an yeah. historical document, really, to be honest with you. Well, it is. Uh, it would. And I would go as far as to say that it's... it's, it's there, there, There is more um, evidence of uh, survivors in it than there was in the final report from the Commission of Inquiry. Yeah. As you know, we were devastated with, with the lack of, of uh, evidence that the court And so were 
we on Lee side with Besbra, um, it was like it, it was it was light. It was very vague. It 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 didn't apportion blame in areas where it should have. Didn't didn't it to a large extent blame the people of Ireland? Yeah. Well, when we were given the, the, the privilege with survivors to, to listen to the first account at two o'clock on, on that day back in January, and uh, we heard Michal Martin and Roderick O'Gorman, I mean, that's what they were coming out with, that, that the blame nearly was on society, on society itself. And, I mean, not, there was no evidence of, uh, of uh, cruelty, or, or, or uh, that's what came out in the report, that there was no evidence to be seen. Uh, that was worth talking about as regards survivors and what they went through. There's a harrowing, the message there's, a harrowing there's a harrowing story in it yeah. of a young girl who yeah. actually managed oh, to bring God. her she actually managed to bring her little baby back home, but her dad wouldn't accept the baby. Do you remember that? That's right. There was a lot of that, all right. But uh, I, I mean, uh, the shame is the big word that, that did uh, the damage that, at that stage. Uh, shame was a big, big word with the to, church that was brought in families. I have to ask you about the actual site itself, because part of the book, you talk with Mary Moriarty. Um, yes. And she, uh, she came across, and I don't mean to upset people, but it's the yes. story from 1975 where she came across hundreds of buried parcels. Talk to me about that. Yeah, she called them bundlings. That's what she called them. Mary did. And that was a gift to me when she rang me on that day in 2014 because people were saying that uh, I was, uh, you know, that this was a hoax. And she, she, I mean, she was in the hairdressers and she heard women talking about that that, that, that woman, Catherine Corliss, is just looking for, for, for notice and, and there's no truth in what she's saying. And Mary Fairplay stood up and she said, listen here, she said, that woman is correct because I know what I saw. She said, I saw, I, I fell down through the, through, through, through a gap in the, in the ground. She said when when that when Franny and Barry had found the remains, Skulls, yeah. and she went over to see, but she fell down. The ground was kind of given way, you see, because all that area was covered in shrubbery at that time back in 1975. And she says, "I fell down, and I could see little bundlings wrapped up." She said, "And they were on top of each other." And I mean, that's exactly what the archaeologists found uh, back back in 2016, 2018. Yeah, that's that's exactly as she described. So that that was a break. <laughs> Oh, where, where? A pit? A sewerage system? It was, a sewerage tank? Yeah, we still have to find out that. It's it's not, she didn't see the actual uh, chambers of the, of the tank because, I mean, they're concreted. But what she saw was, she was, there was old tunnels there as well. And I believe that they used parts of the tunnels uh, for, for, you know, for discarding the babies as well. So I think she must have fallen down into a tunnel because uh, there's tunnels all over the place that led to the sewage system at the time. It's an old Victorian uh, sewage system that was there at the time of the workhouse. So until the archaeologists come back and uh, go down exactly where Mary Because Bell's they're road. still there, Catherine. And of course, COVID slowed everything absolutely. down. Yeah. It's absolutely horrific. And even back in 2017, when the remains were found, I mean, the government were making statements that they were horrified. And in the, in the Kenny came out and said that this has to be uh, uh, this has to be rectified within the next few months. And uh, we have him on tape saying that at the time. And yes, yes, it just went through government to shifting governments and we have uh, we're still putting pressure on Rodrigo Gorman to get the bill passed it's 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 gone through the uh, cabinet it's gone through the Oireachtas 
now it has to go to the Dáil and the Shannon to be signed by Michael D. Higgins. So you can say we're only halfway there, really, to, to pass this bill, which allows for um, uh, exhumation of, of uh, on a mass scale. And I don't believe that that bill is needed at all. It's 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 stalling and stalling and hoping everybody will go away. It's something they don't want to take on, but they have to. Yeah, yeah. At least at least you have a site. We don't have a site on Lisa. That's what I mean. Now it's making that that is worse. And I'm sure it's goodness. There's somebody, there's some epic uh, academic or something that will come up with a plan to to research this. I mean, I mean, you have the names of the babies, and <laughs> where does it go to? It, it, I can't understand how, how how somebody in authority down there isn't there and getting together and and just solving this. And ha- it will take public pressure. Yeah. And that's what, that's eventually what. Well, the, the, the stories, the, the stories it. this morning, without, without taking up the time regarding Cork, but at the moment now yeah. it's about building flats and homes and, and apartment blocks on, on the site. I know that. I know that. It's and that's, and that's just, you know, put it there, leave them alone, forget about them and, and move on. And that's not right. How did you deal with, in the international media interest in this, it just really snowballed really quickly because you would have been a quiet private woman suddenly catapulted onto a world stage. Did you? Did you? I know. No, you see, what happened was I was prepared for it because I, was, I must have been about a year from 2013 to 2014 trying my best to get onto the local authorities, trying to get the story out there, trying to get the church, somebody to listen. And all of a sudden, here was the media. They wanted to know. And they were putting it out there and they were verifying my research. So I was quite happy. It was exhausting, of course. I mean, and for something I'd never done. Do you ever feel like giving up, like one step forward, two steps back, closed doors? Uh, I don't think so because... Uh, Aidan wouldn't uh, let you anyway, sure you wouldn't? Well, no, it's true for you because, yes, indeed, I was saying, you know, I can't do this and I can't do that and especially going on live television. I said, I can't, I'll, you know, I'll die on, on, on front of the camera and he, he did, he, he pushed me and he said, look, he said, you're getting a, you're getting a, a national platform International, international. And when it went international, then you started getting letters and emails from all over the world from people asking you for help, trying to find their mother, trying to find their child. Wasn't it true? Exactly. That's very true over the years. And yes, even, uh, you know, any time this story um, gets out there, uh, new people come on board because they're looking, they're they're waiting to get a bit of courage to come and ask me to try and help find their family because a little bit of shame is still there in people and uh, not... Uh, But the misfortunes, the misfortunes that you did, in the book as well, there's some misfortunes that you did have. I say misfortunes because they're desperate to find their their roots, if you like. And on a a couple of occasions, you've had to go back and say, and I'm quoting here, I'm sorry, your mother doesn't want to meet you. That's right. That, yeah. that can happen as well. That can happen, absolutely, which which is sad. But it, it's, they're few and far between, to be honest with you. I think mothers, I, I suppose I don't blame them. They're damaged themselves with their lives. They're, you know what I mean, to say they're just damaged people because of what, what happened. And uh, yeah. Yeah, that's the way it is. I have to ask you, Catherine, why, why did you refuse to meet the Pope? Well... Uh, by this time, I realised from our local Archbishop and uh, the Vatican, indeed, I had written to them before, and uh, no replies, of course, I had uh, the Archbishops, and, and, and um, I wasn't getting any support. 
Well, I mean, why, why, I wasn't allowed to talk to him, that's why. I asked them that at the time and I got the invitation. I said, can I have a word in the Pope's ear? I wanted to tell him about you and to make sure that he knew. But they said, no, 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 you're just there. I understand that. It was an honour to be in the audience. Yeah. It wasn't for me because at the same time we were, we had a vigil for Tune, for the Tune for babies. So, and that turned out to be very, very successful. So that was the main reason. I mean, what, what was the point? He wasn't going to do anything. So that was really the reason. 56,000 women went through mother and baby homes, 57,000 babies, of which 9,000 babies died. I mean, it's, That's right. they're shocking numbers, aren't they? I mean, there was yeah. an apology from the nuns, yeah. there was an apology from the Catholic Church, there was an apology yeah. from the government, but I suppose apologies yeah. come easy, don't they? Well, very easy. Words come easy, as they say. But look, they're no good. And I keep saying that without without coming on board and rectifying the wrongs that were done. Uh, just to give you a quick example, if you have time there, I was just listening this morning on the news, uh, going back to Auschwitz in Germany. And there is one man, uh, he was he, he's following the Nazis who, who caused this horrific time in our history. And there's a 96-year-old woman, and uh, he has traced her, and he's bringing her to trial. And the... Um, the, 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 the interviewer was asking him at this stage, 96-year-old woman, well, what's the point? And he was saying there is every point. He says, you, we must get an, an acknowledgement of what happened or else it can all happen mm. again. Mm. People who did this, must there must be an acknowledgement. And we so, must never I forget. Mean, that's, that's, For you, it was a yeah. personal mission, but of course it, yeah. Uh, yeah. it, re- it really... I mean... I, are you, are you religious now, or were you ever? Or where, where I was never religious, really. I mean, I believe in I believe in a God, whatever whatever He is. I don't know. There is something wonderful that created this beauty on this earth, and I believe that. And I believe that uh, you know we can reach Him uh, without going into a building or a church. And I mean, He is here, out everywhere in nature, and all we have to do is just turn to him for help. That's what I believe and I don't believe we need uh, churches. And where, where are you at now? Are you continuing with the quest to um, you know, have the babies yeah. reinterred properly and give them the well, respect and dignity? It, we have to. We just have to. Myself and just uh, a lot of people help out with the vigils we have at that little site and that, and that causes media attention and that causes pressure. So that's about all we can do. And I've written so many registered letters to Minister O'Gorman because I know if they're registered that they have to give you a response. So, I mean, it's, it's, that's all we have is just to keep this alive and uh, to keep it going. And that really was the intention of the book as well, just to get it out there worldwide as well. And you do, and, uh, chapter yeah. and verse. I mean, it's incredible, yeah. actually, the quest that you went on, beginning single-handedly, you know, a very prior, well, private woman well, rearing happened, a family. Really. I it, know it, it did, Yeah, it happened, and I went along with it, and that's the way it was. Overwhelming. And, uh, yeah. It's overwhelming. Yeah. I'm given all the royalties as well from the book. I want you to know that it's at the back of the book for children in Oak Orphanage that will help other children in other places. Isn't that incredible? So the royalties are going to, to that. And oh, a little birdie sorry. tells me that Liam Neeson yeah. came calling, did he? <laughs> it is indeed because, uh, you see, that happened because uh, Dan Barry, he's a journalist with the New York Times, uh, he visited us he, he visited here twice, um, uh, two summers ago, and uh, he, he wanted to write a, a story, uh, and it, it, it turned out to be an eight-page pull-out story about the Tune Babies. And uh, when Liam Neeson saw that, uh, he contacted Dan Barry in the New York Times and he was interested and he actually bought the rights from the New York Times to do this, to do a film uh, on this whole... Would you like Liam Neeson to make a, a film of it? 
Well, it's, it's, it's in progress. The script is written and uh, they're polishing up the script and they have producers. It will happen next year. But of course I do, because I mean to say it's keeping it alive again and it's putting the, the real story down in history. As Isn't well. it though? I mean, yeah, it absolutely. And, yeah. That's, and that's what your book does, actually. Uh, it's an incredible read. I highly recommend it to everybody. Um, Thank you very, very on much. A lo- on a many, many levels. It's very personal, of course, to us here on side because of, of similarities, yeah. clearly. But it's an incredible yeah. story and beautifully told. Catherine, thank you so much for taking thank the call. You, Neil. Thank Look you, Neil. Thank you for that. Cheers okay, for that. No. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye-bye. Catherine Corliss with uh, her new book, Belonging, a memoir of place, beginnings, and one woman's search for truth and justice for the chewing babies. It's a, it's a super read. It's a harrowing read. It, it really is. Uh, it, it just gives us an idea, you know, 1925 up to, I, I believe, uh, the back end of the, 19, the 1970s. Thank you, Catherine. Lines open at 1-850-104-106. Back after the break. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 1850-104-106. Red FM. Uh, lights are stuck on red on the North Main Street, causing fierce delays at the moment. And just one or two here. I'm hoping I can appeal to your good nature, of which I do have plenty of. Make an exception doing birthday requests. I do requests on the show. Not a bother. It's for our mother, um, Kathleen Conway. She met you on the team when she was picked as one of the supermums, and she treasures the day. Wish her a wonderful birthday from her husband, Jojo, kids, grandchildren, great-grandchildren, family and friends. Also, it's her and my father's 50th wedding anniversary next Tuesday. So a mention on your show telling both of them how much we love them would be the icing on the cake. Job done for you, Philip Conway. Happy birthday and happy anniversary to all concerned. And also a happy 50th birthday to Rachel DC, who's celebrating a birthday today from all of the family. And let's not forget the two dogs. So happy birthday to you all. Hi, it's Connor. Join me Sunday from 7 for Green on Red, bringing you the biggest, the best, and newest names in Irish music. Get it off your chest. Text The Neil Brinderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. Emails uh, over the past couple of days to Neil at uh, redfm.ie. Christine says on the bonus payment, why not make, why not pay every PAYE worker who submitted at least 48 returns as in going to work 48 hours during the pandemic, 48 day, weeks, I suppose, just in case they had to isolate you to COVID. Um, pay them a thousand euro each to pay for next year's holidays. Including that, supermarket workers, drivers, factory workers, surely revenue have all of the details at the touch of a hat of people who went to work during COVID. This would also make sure people who got pop and moved to Spain for a year I know one who works in a cafe and spent a year in Spain, refused to come back to work until September. Um, do you want those excluded, clearly? Uh, Inshan says, with regards to Sinn Féin, my dear man, the government couldn't care less about frontline, backline, clothesline workers. They're just preoccupied with keeping Sinn Féin out of government and the upcoming budget will reflect all of that. It could also be that they're concerned that Sinn Féin may raid their, I suppose, TD's pension pots. You know, you, 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 you know, I'd say you mightn't be far off hitting the mark there. Uh, on um, students then uh, going to Cork Penny dinners, I think Katrina does fantastic work, but there are families out there with no food. Hampers should be delivered to homes every week. Uh, Olivia says, I know my daughter who's living at home and is in final year in college. Genuinely, Neil, her workload is so full that she couldn't possibly fit in a part-time job like you're suggesting. She's at home online and on campus and is studying about 12 hours a day seven days a week. Well, the only upside to that is she is laying the groundwork for an incredibly successful career in fairness to her. But you're saying because of the workload, 
she wouldn't be able to fit in a part-time job. The, the point on part-time jobs was that if, if students are short on money, uh, why not get a part-time job to supplement it? Um, on taxi drivers, I heard some of the arguments last week about card payments and taxis and some of the utter gibberish that a few of the taxi drivers said. The long and the short of it is that a card payment leaves a paper trail, a cash job does not. Neither the revenue nor the NTA nor God himself is allowed to access our taxi meters, so cash work all goes in the back pocket. Uh, most likely that will change in the next year or so when the NTA makes card payment facilities compulsory in taxis. If you ever have any taxi queries, contact me confidentially. You can't put my name out there because I'd be slaughtered on the taxi ranks. Thank you for that. That's from a taxi driver. You make a very broad statement there where you say um, all cash work goes into the back pocket. I'm quite sure that that's not true, but you know, you're entitled to say it. Um, I imagine that maybe in some cases of some taxi drivers, perhaps a portion of it. My son went out with his friends last Friday night. At the end of the night, the server asked for last drinks and came down with the bill and said the drinks were on the way. The bar was closing. They didn't get their drinks. One of the boys went up and asked for the drinks and they said they already got them, which they hadn't. Then they asked for their money back. It was 30 euro, which they were then accused of harassing the bar staff. My son and friends are 24 and 25 years old. Anyway, uh, the next day, my son found out that the same thing happened to a group of girls the previous week. Is this the way bars are running their businesses? If so, they must be raking in the money, taking 30 euro here and 20 euro there. They must be making a few hundred quid without giving out any drink. I wonder, has this happened to anybody else? Perhaps you could read this out. Well, I have done. If anybody else has experienced it, get in touch. Text 0868104106. You don't name the bar, however. Um, but maybe I'll come back to it when you do. And then I'll come back to this a little, little later on. It's examples of, um, of various scams that are out there. God knows there's no week goes by that I don't get stories in that regard. Okay, big shout out. I know I'm about four minutes early, but a big shout out this morning to Roisin and Paul in Yall on their wedding day today. They're getting married this morning. Lots of love from all of the family and friends in Red Barn. So good luck to you with that. Have a great day. I hope the weather's on your side. Uh, that's Roisin and Paul getting married uh, this morning in Yall. Um, a lot of people actually commenting on the wonderful Catherine Corliss. It's well worth buying the book, incidentally. Uh, it really and truly is, um, because it is an historical document in my mind. And when she starts the work and the research, as I said earlier on, she takes off like a rocket. If you give up the fags, you'll take off like a rocket too. And Teresa has a way of helping you. This is something that we've touched on, and we've given loads of different stories on air from people who quit and the ways they did it. But anyway, Teresa, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you doing? I'm good. And you at the SMA have a free seven-week stop-smoking program where you also provide patches. Is that right? No, we are actually, I'm actually a community health worker based in Balfihan-Toker Community Development Project. And we have been running um, a smoking cessation program here since uh, 2016. Yeah. Um, it was funded by the Irish Cancer Society, but it is taking place this time in the SMA in Wilton in their um, in their parish hall there because we are their community centre there because we don't have the space. Gotcha. The okay, that's the, the, that's the connection with the SMA. That's that's where it's yeah. happening. And you've been running it for a number of years with with a lot of success. With quite a lot of success. We started off in 2016. We were approached by the Irish Cancer Society to um, get involved in this. This program had been running in Dublin for a number of years, but it hadn't reached Cork yet. So we were one of the first groups to, to run it here in Ballyfehan. 
and there were a number of other groups around the city. There were certainly Mayfield. Mayfield is still running it as well. And what do you ran, provide? Uh, what and what do you provide for people? What we provide for people is a program whereby they can come and get support to give up the cigarettes. Now, if it's a free program. It is run by two trained facilitators. There's a weekly session from 7 to 8.30 and then they have um, this multifaceted support system there in terms of they have that weekly session, they have peer support, they have one-to-one where the tutors will contact them weekly to make sure that, you know, how they're getting on and to help them through that. They also have access to free NRT, which is nicotine replacement therapy, uh, uh, through the pharmacy um, and in terms of the, the NRT um, if people have a medical card they're entitled to that free from the doctor so that they will get a letter from the pharmacy to go to the doctor for the prescription and we will pay for their um, their medical card charges in the pharmacy and that would be what they patches or gum or stuff is it um, patches gum um, you know the, the um, inhalers the different the lozenges. You can have a combination. You can have patches for the long term effects, but you can also get some short term. You know, if you get a rush that you need a cigarette, you can get the gum or the. Or and the, um, is the all that available to people with medical cards anyway? Yeah. All that would be available to people with medical cards if their doctor gave them a prescription. Right. And for people who um, don't have a medical card, do they have to cough up the dosh for all of that? For people who don't have a medical card, it would cost them in the region of approximately €400 Euros per person for the three-month um, supply that we supply. But um, within our programme, we'll cover that. And that is all funded now. It was funded by the Irish Cancer Society, but they have, in their policy now, their strategic goals, they have changed their focus more towards cancer sufferers and their families. Uh, so the, the HSD has taken that up and has provided us the funds to, to supply that to people. Are people, are people, I mean, this may be not a question for you, but are people who don't have medical cards less important than smokers who do have medical cards? And it sounds very unfair to me, you know, it really does. No, no. No, but the, the, the people who have no medical cards are getting it free as well. No, they that's, don't have to that's in your course. They, they, yeah, they... No, I know they, that. We will provide it free. Fair play yeah. to you for doing it, but I'm saying in the, in, the, in the big bad world out there, away from courses, if somebody who hasn't a medical card wants to give up smoking, they have to pay for all of the products that you're mentioning. Yes, indeed. That's I suppose it's it's like anything else, Neil. If they're deemed that they can afford it, you know. I mean, that that's a question you should have for I know that. the HSC yeah, and the government. I absolutely. mean, absolutely. We were asked to come on board to try the the idea. The ultimate goal is that we are trying to, at some point, have a smoke-free Ireland. I don't know if we'll ever achieve that. But the idea is to support people to give them up to absolutely. improve their health. Oh, absolutely. And I think less, I think probably less and less young people are smoking, though, aren't they? They're not as uh, as keen to start as maybe generations ago. Um, funnily enough, I, I didn't hear this now through the people that I work with, but I did hear on a programme um, a week or so ago that it seems like that for the young teenagers that the uptake has increased. Oh, for God's sake. That's sad to hear. Yes, indeed it is. So, but like, 
Yeah. Just to say, Neil, I suppose it's important for people to know that we are funded for this through the HSC. They are doing what they can to um, su- support people in the communities to give up the cigarettes. But the good thing is that we don't um, differentiate between whether you have a job and you're, you have income or not. You're, you're welcome to come on our course either way. I understand that 100%. I was just making a, an observation outside of your course. So how many places do you have on the course? I can take up to um, maybe 20 people. And the, the reasoning for that is that this is not like any other educational program that you would put on. This is actually, you know, it's a lifestyle change. It's kicking a habit. So you could have a fair um, dropout rate. We we would aim to have a 50% success rate at the end of this. Good. Uh, at, at the end of each case. Yeah. And we have every year since... 2016, we've surpassed that. Well done. We have always reached around 75%, it's which a is tough, a tough huge addiction. number. It's a tough, 75% success is brilliant. It's a tough addiction to kick. If people want to get in touch, how can they sign up? Well, they can, um, you can give them my work number it's, um, and they can get on to me. Now, the course that we have running at the moment, Neil, starts next Monday. So it's very short time to, for them to get in touch. So the best way for them to contact me is by phone. Um, so you can give them my number. It's oh eight seven nine zero one five three three nine. I have it, I have and it. it is open for the first time. Um, when we started this back in two thousand and sixteen, um, it had to be women only because it was a women supporting women. It was a sister sister pro, yeah, pro uh, kind yeah, yeah, of a program. Yeah, yeah. So, um, and that we we didn't have any control over that. That was the sponsors request with the Irish Cancer Society as far as I'm aware. But now it's it's men and women. First pilot this year is for, um, there's a men only programme running up in Mayfield. Our programme is open to men and women and family members. And um, I I was speaking to um, a a quick specialist from the HSC only last week and she informed me that statistically um, if people in the same household do this course together, that the uptake of, or sorry, the percentage of them actually staying off cigarettes rises by 67%. I understand that. Uh, that makes sense to me, doesn't it? Because you get support from your partner who's also in the same predicament as yourself trying to quit, you know? Yes, indeed. And, and as well as that, research also shows that people who do it in a group and they have their group support as well as their tutor support and their one-to-one support are more likely to give them up as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you ever take up the habit or have to quit? I did indeed myself many years ago. I did smoke, and but I I went cold turkey, uh, Neil, and um, yeah, I just decided one day that was enough. Oh, credit it, you to you. Well done. And that was it. Well done. Well done. Okay. Well, you're doing great work, making a difference, prolonging and saving lives. Seventy, fifty to seventy-five percent success rate is incredible. So it's a, it's a seven-week stop smoking program. Can I give out your mobile number now? Is that okay? I know you mentioned already, you and people indeed. will get in touch themselves. Can I just say, Neil, before? you finish there it is a seven week compulsory like because there's certain there's certain things they have to go through in the course and then at the end of that there will be an additional optional three weeks for um things that maybe the the, the group participants might recommend like it might be somebody to 
speak to them about diet or about managing weight gain. Oh, for God, that, that happens a lot of the time, doesn't it? The weight yeah, piles so on. Yeah, that's there as well. Yeah, okay. All right. You're the greatest. Thanks, Teresa. Good luck with it. Starts Not Monday. Cheers for now. 087 Good luck with that. God knows I still have texts coming in. I'm giving up the facts. Uh, read the Alan Carr book. My husband was a heavy smoker. It worked for him. Uh, another one here. I read the benefits of giving up. I got it online. It's called The Benefits of Giving Up. The best thing that I ever did. Uh, the best thing I ever read was a craving lasts only 90 seconds if you can beat the 90 seconds when I did 24 hours I knew I could do it then I'm five and a half years smoke free now so what you're saying to me is deal with the 90 second craving it will pass stop smoking actually water helped me very much anytime I have a craving or had a craving I drank cold water made a big difference instead of taking crazy amounts of food I drank water I never gained weight and the best thing I did in my life is the fact that I gave up the fags. Uh, Dawn says, I gave up smoking about 30 a day six years ago. I went on to vaping and now my breathing is very bad. Does anyone have any ideas on how to pack the vaping up? It's destroying my lungs. I can't walk for a minute without gasping for air. And then there's many more. Maybe somebody will come back and help you with that. Uh, I mean, maybe reduce the strength of the vape over time. Uh, you know, don't carry it around with you all the time. Be very careful of the actual vaping liquids that you buy. Stay away from the cheap, st- the cheap stuff. The cheap stuff apparently comes in in huge big plastic containers from China. God knows what goes into them. Alan Carr's book was an amazing read. I read it cover to cover 17 years ago. Happy days. There's no excuse as you can join the library free and even rent the book. For those that do smoke, it depletes your vitamin C. So maybe a supplement could be taken until you quit. Selection of text 0868104106. The Neil Prenderville Show on Twitter at Neil Red FM. I mean, they are doing great work. Let's just park that. But I, I just, I, mean, I don't know if I'd be in my bonnet about this, but I think it's very discriminatory. I think that's discrimination. The working people, um, you know, what are, you, what are they trying to say? That somebody who's earning 30, 35, 40 grand doesn't have a medical card, right? Um, but goes out to work every day and ends up with nothing left at the end of the month because they're paying all of their bills, which just go up, trying to pay a mortgage or worse, trying to pay maybe rent. And they have nothing left at the end of the day. So they're not entitled to a medical card and they want to quit cigarettes, but it could cost them 400 a month to get whatever it is. It could be lozenges or gum or patches or whatever it is that you might use that you have to pay for it. Uh, not, and I'm not in any way disrespecting people with medical cards who clearly have them for a very valid reason. But with a medical card, all of that comes for free. But yet somebody who is working to the pin of their collar if they ever wanted to give up fags, would have to pay for all of that in a pharmacy themselves. I mean, that to me is discrimination. And it's wrong. I mean, if it's a health concern of the country, then it should be a health concern of all of the people within the country. I would think anyway. Here's a text on that. The working person gets rode to death in this country. If you don't pay taxes uh, and work in this country, you get everything for free. The hardworking man and woman are constantly screwed and I, for one, am sick to death of it. Here's another one. I once attempted to quit the cigarettes and needed the patches. Although I was working, I couldn't afford them. Then my friend who doesn't work and has a medical card offered to get them for me. What a load of tosh this country is. Thank you for that text. If anybody else has an opinion on that, get in touch. Text 0868104106. But poor Gillian's been waiting for an age. Gillian, good morning. 
Morning, how are you? Your dad, PJ Byrne, in his 50s, mm-hmm. um, killed on the Middleton to Whitegate Road in 2019. I recall it. I remember the story. Yeah. I do. Former guard. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. I got Died. the number wrong. He wasn't in his 50s. Wasn't he? He'd been delighted. He's a little <laughs> he older. 65. Yeah, he was. He was just 65, yeah. What I, I, I'll deal with the with the stolen flower pot in a moment, but what happened to Dad? Um, he was just going to work that morning, five to seven in the morning. Um, we don't know, was it the sunlight blinded him for a few seconds? It's a really kind of, the road is very, there's loads of trees and it was an extremely bright morning. Um, a lot of the guys at the the inquest were saying that he could have been blinded by the sunlight or distracted for literally a third of a second. So, so quick, so fast, how everything can you know, Collision with the fuel truck, wasn't it? Oh, my God. It was, yeah. Larry, Circuit K, Larry, going back down to refuel. Yeah, so it was um, tragic, yeah. You must have been devastated as a family. Oh, sure. Off the chart, yeah. There's, there's nothing... Um, no one can prepare you for that, no. Oh, for God's sake. May he rest in peace. And did yeah. you put a little memorial at the spot then? Yeah, so my sister actually lives in Whitegate, so... Shirley is Whitegate, my dad was a Hadda and my brother and sister is in Middleton. So Shirley passes every single morning that part of the road, like he was literally seconds from home. And um, so we put a few flowers on it from day one and then we put, you know, we gathered his his own, a clipping of his own roses from his garden. Oh, lovely. Something just, as Shirley said, that she didn't have to go looking for the part of the road, that she could just symbolise something of it. We don't know why, but she just found peace, uh, passing it every morning and evening. Like So she put a a heavy, a really good flower pot on the side of the road to put the flowers in. And like we'd pass, like she'd pass up and down every day. So one of the days she noticed the it was gone so she kind of was a bit alarmed by it as well and, and listening to the, the lady earlier how her her cross was taken from the side of the road I just it just struck kind of God how could people do it like it's such a morbid thing to do like so yeah so Shirley had put it up saying on the local page in Whitegate saying has anyone seen it or did, what, did anyone know what had happened it? and a lady had messaged saying God I, I just saw someone stop in a van and, and put the the pot the heavy pot into the van and drive off, which was a van pulled up at the memorial site and lifted and on took a really, the, yeah on a part of the road where he would have caused obstruction like so he and picked stopped, up the heavy flower pot with the flowers flower and your dad's rose and everything and put it into the back yeah, of the van drove off yeah 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 so um yeah so have they any conscience at all or what is obviously it? not no sure it's it's incredible people would blow you away. But a few days later, we passed up and someone had put, made a, a cross and burnt in his initials, PJ, um, his own name, into the actual cross and put it on the side of the road. So have, no idea who did, have you any idea who did that? Nobody knows. No, we, we still don't know. We actually don't Isn't know. Isn't that it's an incredible touch? Isn't it a beautiful yeah, so touch? One can just, someone can really like shock you and then someone can shock you to the good as well just to say the kindness that people are, are out there. Um, and you'll never know who did that gesture. No, no, no a friend, a colleague, and yeah. a guard. Maybe some of the. Yeah. Was he was he was retired, but working in the College of Commerce, wasn't he? Yeah, he was in the College of Commerce. Yeah, sure, he was. The, he must have had the great friends. He was a great. Oh, friend. he had the amount of people that um, contacted us and messaged, and even the College of Commerce page, Facebook page. Like, sure, he was 
he greeted everyone as I said he stood outside the front door having a bag with every student and the students would send messages to us that he was one of the lads no, yeah we'd no idea how much um, how he was so good to all the students and they had a great regard for him like you know and he was a bit of a messer like he was good crack like he fitted right in with the students then yeah yeah isn't that a wonderful thing and it's a beautiful little cross with his his name engraved burnt into it beautifully very nicely done yeah Mm-mm. So it was a nice thought, like you know, just to make up for such a horrible thing. Well, one da- one bad deed replaced with a good deed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But just people often, really often. like they're the smallest little things that mean nothing to anyone else. But just passing a part of the road is so hard every day to pass, and to make it harder than to think that someone would do that. Well, you'd want to be some clown if you didn't realise why it was there yeah, in the first sure, place. Everyone knew why it's there. Everyone would have known. Like you don't. It's not for the crack. Like you just don't plant or put flowers on a random part of a road so people that are doing it intentionally but they don't realise how a family are affected that's all they have left mean spirited nasty people but that's a beautiful gesture you have a lovely cross there now to remember that okay all right, Gillian thanks so much for calling no worries all Thanks the best. Million, Take care. Lines open at 1850-104-106. So I think one of the texters there, we were talking about giving up the fags and what have you, was going on about being crippled and not being able to walk now. Off the fags a few years, two years, I think, replaced it with vapes. Jeffrey, good morning. Do you have an opinion on vapes? Um, there's not much of an opinion. I switched, um, I gave up the, the, the fags uh, over a year ago with my partner. And I thought, uh, I'll go on this vape thing. This thing seems to be the way to go. And I found myself getting very breathless after a while with it. Um, now, whether that was the vape or it's the chemicals or anything like that, I'm not sure. But um, coming off the vape was the best thing I did. And I was, I served on your list of their text in, and I find it very hard to breed. You were said, because uh, I was so, trying to find the text again, but I don't have to. That's exactly it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And um, no, I found I went to my GP and just uh, like uh, learned some breathing techniques, like jump breathing out, taking a big breath in, breathing out slowly for as long as I could. I went for maybe two, three seconds, so all the way to maybe 10, 15 seconds. So just take your time. Um, he says I gave up the fags about smoking 30 a day I gave up 6 years ago I went on vaping so he's vaping 6 years now my breathing is very bad Um, it's destroying my lungs I can't walk for a minute without gasping for air says Dawn in Douglas she's 53 yeah no definitely uh, there is something in the vaping I I won't deny that I don't know what it is I mean it's cleaner than cigarettes I, I, I I would agree with that probably but I mean it's there's, there's still, still something, man. You still feel breathless. And I had it for years. I'm a big guy. And so trying to get out and get some exercise and stuff like that was hard for me. It was very hard. Even taking my kids out was very hard. And no, it's a uh, delighted now. I'm off from, as I said, over a year. Uh, no vape, no nothing. Went to, my partner actually, thank God, was with me. She uh, helped me out the whole ways. You just um, do it so, by breathing exercises, is it? Yeah, we're just breathing exercise a lot of GPs there because they deal with a lot of like asthmatics and people with uh, chest issues um, so they can sit down and teach breathing exercise and it's a matter of maybe taking a breath in there's one um, um, like just you breathe out slowly like little gasps of uh, breath at a time yeah See, the difference between um, the difference between fags is you smoke a fag and then you wouldn't smoke another one for a while or whatever the case may be depending on how heavy you yeah. are but with a vape you carry it everywhere, right? So it's constantly. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're probably vaping an awful lot more than you ever would have smoked. Oh, yeah, yeah. That was constantly with me. Constantly. I mean, I had it in the car everywhere I went. Well, I mean, before when I was on the, the fags, I could have a fag before I left and be a few hours before I'd have yeah, it again. Yeah. 
I'd yeah. probably be on the vape two or three times in, in a couple of hours. So like. maybe the vape was originally designed for the odd puff off it, for a craving, not to completely yeah. replace. Because if it was to completely replace fags, what happens is you become addicted to the vape more so than the fags. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good for you. Okay, so life's better and you did it by breathing. Well done. Well done. Okay, my man. Thanks for that, Jeffrey. Take care. Thank Lines you. open one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. Text oh eight six eight one zero four one zero six. Remember, you are listening out for a very important cue to call. It's our fourth two hundred and fifty euro voucher that we're giving away, courtesy of ourselves and Easy Living Interiors. Ie. Tomorrow, it's a one thousand euro voucher, a grand to spend at Easy Living. But today, it's the fourth of our two hundred and fifty euro voucher. So, who's running into the room? I'm not doing it now. I'll open the phone lines in about ten or fifteen minutes' time. But in case you came late to the program who's hiding behind the sofa run into the room across the sitting room behind the sofa who is this suddenly you find yourself in that situation and it's quite a leap if you know hang in there i'll give you an opportunity to call in about 10 12 minutes time at 250 euro voucher we also have double passes for no time to die the latest bond movie the Gate Cinema tonight for you. So hang in there. Now, um, just uh, with regards to Paula, can I just get an update again because somebody's been in touch with her. Paula, good morning. Hello, um, Neil. How are you? I'm good. Yeah. Now, we chatted earlier on. What's happened since we last spoke? Um, I, I got a message from a person. Now, I, I know the person very well, Neil, but the person wants to remain anonymous and the person has offered to pay for the the plaque to, 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 replace, to, the cross. to replace yes. the wooden cross that was there. Yes. Yeah. Oh my God! I'm overwhelmed, Neil. It's very thoughtful. There's Isn't good it? people out there, Neil. There's good people. And out is there. that a friend really of yours is. or an acquaintance or something? Yeah, I am a, a, a friend. Oh, that's lovely. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So I'm delighted now with that. So I'm just going to get the uh, the red tape boards. We just have to get onto the the council now and call. Yeah, just and watch the, the size and no lights. No lights. Yeah, that's right. Because of the traffic, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. And a concrete yeah, base. And a concrete. Yeah. It's, it's awful to have to say it like, but a concrete base as well. Oh. They won't be able to move this one, Neil. It'll be lovely. Who will you get to no, do it for you? Do you know one of the stones? Who will you get to um, do it? The, the, my brother, no. My bro- I was speaking to my brother. He, he knows um, a person who's, who's very good now at doing the, that type of thing. Headstone and Memorial Company will do it for you. Yeah, yeah. yeah, great stuff. Um, ah, that's lovely. Yeah, there's a man in Douglas Street then and he, um, the last time we know when Amanda was killed first, um, he did the engraving for the plaque. I know. Lovely. He's just off Douglas Street there so I'm just going to put our name on it and this time, as I said, no, there'll be concrete going down. And now you make sure you come safe. back and tell me when that's in place, all right? I will. I can send you on a few photos. Ah, you must be delighted. It's a relief I am, I'm delighted. I really okay. am. I'm lovely. overwhelmed. Neil, that's lovely. Thanks so much. Isn't there lovely people? at they're the same right. time you have they're the idiots right. and the fools and the dopes they're they're look, they, 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 you know what they conquer all these bad people out there good good always you know uh, you're a firm believer like in karma as well so I you never always, know always it goes it all, it all, no, you, you know what you can't hide and you know what you get, people get what they deserve eventually fair play okay, you can Paula. run but you can't hide that's what I believe <laughs> you can run but you can't hide she says <laughs> alright okay I'll run lovely chat and we'll talk <laughs> again bye all right. the Neil Prendival show on Cork's Red FM our phone line Remain open after midday. 1850 104 106. I can't remember what I think I'm a 34-32. Uh, Does that make sense? Does that make it a 34 waist and a 32 leg? It might be 34-34. Maybe I'm trying to claim to be six foot tall. But you remember I was talking earlier in the week about a couple of topics with that in mind. And one one had to do with an article that was making the Times in the UK that said if you can't fit into your clothes that you wore at 21 then you're at risk of diabetes. And they talk about diabetes and the, even if you're not overweight, incidentally. And I was, I was talking on the air about who 
now, say 20 or 30 years later, could fit into the same size clothes you wore at the age of 21. Are they suggesting that me, who's far from 21, would still be able to get into a size 28 jeans? I mean, that's insane if they're even suggesting this. Like, you want to be in right shape to be able to do something. Everyone's saying it's not impossible. I mean, I think it was one stage I was in 36s and maybe even 38s, but I'm back to somewhere between a 32 and a 34 now. And then Penny's got into <laughs> Penny's got into an awful lot of grief, apparently, because people were saying that their sizes bear no resemblance whatsoever to what the size 10 or the size 12 should be. It's like a bit of a lottery out there. And the more you look at it, the more you see it. In fact, uh, Mary Jane O'Regan, Mary Jane, the fashion commentator, was commenting on that and lots more besides sizes and availability and what have you. Mary Jane, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? I'm incidentally, why aren't you in the queue in Michael Guiney's for all of this cheap perfume? I don't know. I didn't know about it. I'm actually shocked. <laughs> it's a woman this morning. She was telling me that her buddy bought um, €900 Euro worth of perfume in Michael Guiney's for €150. Euro. Oh my God, that's incredible. I, ha- I actually hadn't heard about it. Yeah, but I mean... I'm, I'm a bit fussy about scent. You know, the way, like with gifting and stuff like that, okay, you might you might go in and get a few... Um, a few ones maybe discontinued lines or something but I don't know unless they're going into like Christmas presents in a big way Christmas presents apparently I mean it's a very personal thing anyway buying a perfume or an aftershave for another person isn't it? Definitely and I think um, I remember I used to always admire this um, fragrance I worked in a fragrance shop years ago and I used to always admire it on my colleague and when I put it on myself it actually I had to I had to go home and have a shower on my lunch break because it was making me nauseous. So like different perfumes. Is that skin reaction, is it? Yeah, it's just it's it's not even a skin reaction. It's how it reacts with your own pheromones and stuff like that. So, yeah, yeah. Do you know what I love? Do you know what I love? I always feel guilty doing it, but I love... I love going into, uh, you know, shops or, you know, maybe through the airport where you get the free samples, where you can have the, yes. the free squirt. Although I'm always half embarrassed doing it as if they're looking to be saying, oh, my God, you cheapskate. <laughs> I know, but it's, it's the best way to find out what one will actually suit your skin. I never buy I it. I never buy any of them. I just use them. I just use them. I'm a total freeloader. <laughs> I'm a sucker because I'll go back and buy it then if I like it. So... <laughs> Anyway, you talk, talk, talk to me. Talk to me about this this business regarding clothes sizes and this story right. that says if you can't fit into the clothes you wore at twenty one, you're in trouble. What in the name of God are they on about? Who well, could? Well, I tell you something. Now, only way I would fit into a pair of jeans that I wore when I was twenty, if you stood at the end of the stairs and I jumped in. Only way they'd get jumped over the me. banister into the visit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, okay. So, like, if you look at it logically. When you have, from a woman's perspective, now I don't have children, right? But from a woman's perspective, chances are a woman at 21 might not have had a baby. 21 years later, chances are she's possibly maybe had a baby. She could have gone through the menopause. There's loads of things. With men, you know, they might have been very active playing rugby or soccer or something. And then they might become less active. So I don't really know anybody that would fit. The only thing that fits me, that fitted me when I was 21 is a hairband, I'd say. <laughs> and even at that, and even at that, it's a bit of a push. You know, I did see earrings, maybe. I did see a photograph actually that Emer sent me on. She saw it online. Um, apparently, this was spotted in pennies, and it's male mannequin models. You know the the the, the, the yes. you know the the, the the dummies with beer guts. <laughs> yeah, well, and, ma- and man boobs. 
<laughs> well, they've had to, you see, because they, they've they had to bring in plus size, we'll say, women's mannequins, because obviously, you know, plus, plus size shops have always been a thing, like they've always existed or whatever. And now men's stuff is becoming a little bit bigger. And so they want to represent everyone and they show They want everybody. to sell to people who are real world, like men with beer yeah. guts or with with, with moobs, if you like, because they exist. So they're figuring, you know, yeah. we, we need to create fashion. But you were saying um, that, and this is a quote from you on Twitter, is there no middle of the road with plus size clothes? New look of tops that could replace a three-man tent and pretty little things are minky, flashing bits of satin. What do you mean by that? Yeah. You said I don't want to look like I don't want to look look like mutton, but I'm not a 67 year old trucker called Dave either. Well, that's it, you see. So, like, you have two extremes. So you go into the shop, and there's, you know, these, you know, first of all, you've got these, um, you know, t-shirts like ACDC t-shirts, and they try and make them glam. They're huge. They're down to your knees. So that's the first problem. Or else, then they go with the granny butterfly kind of cold shoulder tops where they put this tiny so they try they want to make it sexy by showing a tiny bit of shoulder but it's like a tiny thing a tiny tiny thing so it, it just looks really really dated and then if you go online pretty little thing I'm all for anybody being body positive or whatever but I don't want to show my midriff and I don't want my bum hanging out at the end of a pair of shorts that's a personal thing it's not that I'm ashamed of my body or whatever but if I want if I want to go out for a few drinks or whatever I don't want if I'm going up to go to the toilet, I don't want to be pulling things down and readjusting myself and all that. So I'd like something in an ideal world um, where, you know, people realise that women want maybe want to be feminine or some people maybe want to be a bit more androgynous and they want to be fashionable, but they don't want to look like, you know, not all bodies are the same shape either. And a lot of times... But is it that, I mean, it, is it body shape or is it body age, really? Do you know what I'm saying? It's a little bit of both. Like, it's a little bit from column A and a little bit from column B. I would always be marginally conservative in how I dress. And I'm that way since I'm young. Like, I wouldn't have ever been very extreme and I wouldn't have ever gone with major fashion things. But fashion now, particularly with the younger generation, is quite revealing, isn't it? In fairness, it is. Ah, listen, crop tops and, you know, tiny little shorts and, you know, those big awful runners and stuff. It, that wouldn't have been for me, but that would have been around, Neil, when I was in my 20s, that was fashionable as well. So around the time of Sir Henry's, you know, that sort of age where people were going for, going to raves and stuff. So they were wearing bra. I remember like my friend used to go out in these big, long kind of baggy jeans, but then she had like the tiniest little bra top ever on her. You know, that sort of way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas yeah. I would have been there in probably jeans and a top or whatever. Yeah, yeah. But I, I just think... So I think it, it depends, like, I mean, from a fashion perspective, yes, you want to be reasonably fashionable. You want to have something that's, that doesn't make you look like you're stuck in the 80s. But at the same time, you don't want to, you know, you don't want to be, um, I don't, I just don't want to be out in, in tent-like clothes because I, I don't think they're flattering for plus-size people or for, or for people that are older. Are you saying you that know, for plus-size people, there isn't enough style, is it? There, there definitely isn't. And even when you go into, like, so you can go online and if you order it, um, online it can be a little bit hit and miss in the sense of, uh, you know, that when I was talking to Emer um, and the guys about the sizing and pennies being kind of a bit erratic, it's the same thing when you're ordering online. I'd love if there was a shop that you could go into that has, like, reasonably nice 
fashionable clothes, you know, because not not all, like another thing that they do with plus size stuff is that they make it all nearly up to the turtleneck. But I don't like wearing things that are like, you know, like turtle, like they think that, that you want to wear things that cover up your yeah. um, your chest and boob area. Whereas not everybody kind of wants to do that. You want to you want to feel a bit fashionable, or maybe you want to wear a yeah. piece of jewellery. Yeah. You know, it's it's a lot of it is just very what I would call, and I always say this, matronly. So it's not feminine, and it's very matronly. But why so then? Like why then do pennies get into hot water? Because somebody said they were, they've said they're working to improve their sizing because the shoppers yes. are complaining not being able to fit into their clothes. What do they mean? I mean, if you don't fit into it, it means you have to go up a size, doesn't it? It does, but you see, Best to get the it. problem is that, that their their sizes are finite. So they go from, I think, a size 4 up to a size 20. But say, if I am if I was a size 16 or I was a size 18, I'd probably be a 20 in pennies. You know, that kind of way. Oh, say so that again. That makes sense to me. What do you say? Normally, you'd be one so, size, but in pennies, you're another. Yeah. So, like, say, if I was going into Dunn's, example, I would go into Dunn's and I'd buy a size 18 or I'd buy a size extra large in the gallery, right? Yeah. And then if I go into pennies, I'd have to buy a 20 or an XXL if they have it. But then, so, you know, so it's just their their sizing is, is extremely So it's, those sizes are not universal. Does not everybody follow the same code, no? No, it's it's not like men. You see, you can go and buy your, your pair of Levi's in 32-32. With women, it's a totally different story. I wish. I'd have to jump off the banister for that one, I'd say. 34, maybe. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but you know, you know what I mean? As in a man can go and buy, uh, you know, a size and, and a We just go by waist, men, yeah. yeah. Yes, exactly. Whereas with women, there's all different types of waists. Then, so you've got low rise, you've got high rise, and you've got mid rise. I always go for the high-rise ones myself. I'm so glad you know? I'm a man. It's much more straightforward for me. It's it's small, it's well, medium, it's or large, and it's a 34 waist. I'm away for slates. And that's it. And if you if you if you have to go to a, a wedding or anything, it's a suit, and away you go. You know, you don't have to worry about is it cocktail, is it black tie, is it full length? Should I be wearing this? Should I be wearing that? It's a minefield being woman. You've no idea. <laughs> the first thing that a woman does with a wedding invitation or an invitation to events drops on the thing. She's like, oh, Jesus, the hair, the makeup, the outfit. What am I going to wear? What am I going to wear? How much is it going to cost? Were you, I think Brenda was in pennies. Were you, were you oh, no, I was in Zara. Zara. Zara, yeah. I ordered stuff online. And Mary Jane, you know Zara is known for this yeah. as well. Zara is... I saw a good few people know to speak about Zara there recently. So I ordered online and... Usually if there's um, an extra small, then the small will always fit me or the medium. So I just said I'd chance on all medium atop. And... Um, yeah. So then the jeans and I bought, I saw someone saying to size down on the jeans, so I bought an 8 and a 10. So then I would be probably between those, but then the size medium was way too small and I could barely get the top off. And then I have yeah. other Zara tops that are extra small. Why do they do that though? Why why would they all be different? Are they trying to I flatter I just don't people? know. I don't know. Is it mass production? Maybe that they produce yeah. so many. I thought it was mass production. Now but sometimes as well with styles and stuff because I, when I when I worked in, in fashion retail we'd have to advise somebody look that's meant to be slightly oversized or whatever and oversized stuff is coming back into fashion a little bit but I think it's I just think it's exactly what you're saying there as well Brenda it's complete mass production and I think they're nearly I'd say they're, they nearly don't I, maybe because it must be very depressing for it oh, must yeah, be very is, depressing yeah. for somebody is it? Yeah well it. I 
for me, you know, when I've been like, I would probably do a workout every day or do a spinning or I go running. And then yeah. when you're going in and you're like, oh, no, this is surely going to fit now because, you know, I've been eating right and everything. And then you go in and it's like your size up isn't fitting you and it's disheartening. And then I think anything in China, then like pennies as well, like size 10 to 12 if you're buying, buying from China is large. And if you, yeah. like, for instance, if you were to, like, you'd stay away from American sizes if you were buying anything there because their medium and large are completely different. Like, their larges are small. They go to XXXXL, don't they? Yeah. Yeah, and I think as well, a lot of the time, um, the labels on things are just like, I don't know, is it that they're, that they say a, a t shirt company produces for Zara, they produce for this, they produce for that, and all of their kind of, I suppose the the brief that they sent off or whatever is different. So they're only producing the same white t-shirt or the same white shirt, and you know maybe there's new different buttons put on it or whatever for different places. But it's to, it, it is up to the retailer. Like they should be standardising things now at this point, especially for women's clothes, because there's so many people out there with you know. But you were like, saying that it's all crop it's all crop tops and yoga pants now. Full stop. Yeah, that's well, you know, for younger for yeah. younger people, yes, yeah. absolutely. And I've seen them out like, do you remember in the old days, Neil, you wouldn't get into a bar if you were wearing tracksuits. That's right. Oh, forget about it. Like, Go home. There, there was there was like a, a rule that you if you were wearing runners and I'm sure they're wearing those Balenciaga things. They're shocking. I, I what like what are they? Are you saying the people yeah. are now getting into they're pubs bad. with uh, with tracksuits? Oh, and they are. They are. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Balenciaga runners. Do you know those, Brenda? Yeah. Yeah. The well. I don't know they're Finn like, people know they probably know haven't but they're not the most pleasantly looking trainers there's other ones as well um, what are you saying they're common is it are, oh there's the Alexander McQueen ones as well Mary. but when yeah. did that change that people got into pubs with runners and tracksuits I think the I last think, two years or so is it I think in the last two years like I remember say years ago when I would have been working in um, a department store and we would have had fa- I worked in makeup but we would have had fashion briefings and there was this thing called at leisure and they were saying this is going to be big and I was thinking at the time it will in it's year now because it was kind of like the old kind of shiny tracksuit yeah but you know but kind of fitted Neil so that what they were doing is they were taking the shiny tracksuit from the 90s and then they were putting a cuff leg and they were making it slightly more tailored and lo and behold that's what happens this sounds awful to me even the mention of the word shiny tracksuit sounds off I mean can you still get into a pub in a pair of trousers and shoes like you can Oh, you can. Thank you God can. for that. Yeah, I thought it was yeah, not, maybe you'd be barred. Sorry, you're barred your shoes on. <laughs> and I think since Kanye West brought out these Yeezy runners as well and stuff, they've become a bit more fashionable and a bit more acceptable. And they're another shocker. They're, I think they're desperate. Actually, Mary Jane Neal is wearing a pair of trainers that actually look like them I noticed yesterday. Excuse me now. Those, those things do look like them. They these, do. I was these. looking at them yesterday you know, in the meeting know, going, they look like Yeezys. Do you know what these are? Are they, are they the like recyclable ones or something? They are recycled yeah. from, from ocean plastic. Yeah, I know, but they look like the Yeezys. I, I love them. Anyway, anyway, I, I wish I had more time, but I'm out of time. But let me leave you on this thought again. If you can't, and this is what it says, if you can't get into the same size trousers when you were 21, um, then you are, uh, what do they say here? They say you are, are actually overweight. I mean, who comes up with this nonsense? I know, I know. But you see, a lot of those things are, are a lot of those articles are put online to shock and to kind of create. Exactly I have, it's not fair. It's not fair now. on people, though, is it? It's not fair. It's, on it's, well, it's not. It's not. It's not fair on anyone's mental health. I mean, I definitely wouldn't fit into anything anyway from my twenties. Well, I, I imagine some people do, but you can't make those kind of generalized statements, you know. 
You really can't. Yeah, definitely not. I'll let you get back to the minefield of women's fashion. Cheers, take care. <laughs> Thank you, bye. Mary Jane O'Regan. Lines open on 1850-104-106 on that one. Particularly if you have funny stories to share, text 0868-104-106. A little bit of housekeeping to do before I love you and leave you for the day that's in it. And you know the drill. Suddenly you find yourself in that situation and it's quite a leap. Who is that hiding behind the sofa? 250 euro voucher. one 850 Text the Neil Prenderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. Congratulations to Elaine Hart in Ross Carberry, correctly identifying that it was Ed Sheeran who was hiding behind the sofa. So well done to you. We have a 1,000 euro voucher tomorrow for Easy Living Interiors to give away 1,000 euro worth of it. And also, speaking of Ed Sheeran, I'll also be giving you the chance to win tickets to see Ed Sheeran in Porky Cueve on tomorrow morning's programme. So stick around for that if you're an Ed Sheeran fan. But if you're a Bond fan, we have tickets to give away for uh, No Time to Die at the Gate Cinemas, Cork, Mallow and Middleton. Big screening experience tonight. The name's Bond. James Bond. Get dialing on that. one 106 Have a great day. I'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to this Red FM podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and check out redextra.ie for more great Red FM content.